are listening to Radio Free Signs of the Times, broadcasting to the world on the eve of destruction. We are doomed to extinction because of agriculture. We have raped and pillaged this planet. There is a, a disinformation program, literally, for everyone, no matter who you are and what, what your interests are, uh, what your beliefs are, uh, which, which way you're focusing. There is a website set up just for you to take you in and to vector your thinking and your attention into the way that they want you to think. Categories for things happening in the sky and the cosmos. If you read the scientific come through and put the pieces together, you can see something big is happening. Hello and welcome to Sot Talk Radio. Today is January 27, 2013, and the title of tonight's show is Gun Control USA, Do Guns Protect Civil Liberties? I'm your host, Neil Bradley, and my co-host, Joe Quinn. Hi. And with us tonight, we have a special guest, Jason Martin. Jason, say hi. Hi, Jason. <laughs> Jason is uh, Jason is with us tonight. He, you may have noticed he had an article on SOT.net about this very topic we'll be talking about tonight. No, I didn't. They forced me to write it. They <laughs> held a gun to my head. They're a whole bunch of gun nuts. No, but seriously, you should check out the article if you yeah. get a chance on, yeah, on shot.net. It's right at the top of the page. It's, I mean, you know, you can check it out after the show for a little more information in case we we missed out something that, that Jason covered in his article. But first of all, let's do some introductions because Jason needs to <laughs> tell us just who he is and, and, and why we have dragged him onto the show here this evening. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like to cons- consider myself a, a God-loving and veteran Republican gun nut. Okay. Uh, not really, you know. I mean, I'm I'm a programmer. I'm a sort of a lifelong student of martial arts and strategy and and combat and violence. And um, you know, when I was very young, uh, uh, one of my mother's friends was a was a sixth degree black belt and and in ninjutsu. Of course, I was like I was you know six years old at the time, you know. And, and everybody loves ninjas. <laughs> and everybody loves ninjas, you know. So I was like, "Will you teach me? And you teach me ninjutsu?" And he was like, "Yeah, okay." Uh, so he kind of Mr. Miyagi'd me a little bit. He never actually taught me how to throw a punch or anything. It was all a bunch of of the mystical stuff. But I, I was kind of hooked in martial arts, and and so throughout my life, I've I've studied various ones. You know, Ishinu Karate, Wing Sun, Walum Kung Fu, and Aikido. I spent a lot of time studying Aikido and um, Tai Chi, and I do right now. I do a lot of Kali Arnis and things like that. And I'm I'm you know kind of into the Dog Brothers, and they're very much into sort of like uh, theories of law enforcement and, and correctional enforcement and things like that. And they talk a lot about violent crime in the streets and dealing with that self-defense. Uh, so that's where my particular expertise in that department would come from is, you know, I spent a lot of time studying it, studying the various different self-defense mechanisms, studying uh, guns, empty hand, knife fighting, knife defense, things like that. So, I mean, that's you know, where I come from, for, from a certain perspective. Well, that's pretty much what uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's um, self-defense, <laughs> the right to self-defense, the right to bear arms. Yeah. Um, and the reason we're talking about this is uh, anyone who's listened to 
the show from last week knows that we discussed pretty much in depth the Sandy Hook massacre. And apart from obviously producing a massacre and uh, a lot of dead children and people, the one major thing that the Sandy Hook massacre produced on a national level within the U.S. was uh, a major debate that's still ongoing about uh, guns and the idea of gun control and whether or not uh, you know some new laws are required to control guns, particularly assault rifles, for example, um, as a result of Sandy Hook in an effort to to prevent it or stop such things happening again. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, <coughs> gun control is high on the agenda. And what you notice is that no distinction is made between mass shootings, such as what we discussed last week with Sandy Hook, and of course there were several other horrific shootings before that. There's no distinction made between these kinds of outrages and the background, um, let's say, regular homicide rates in the U.S., you would never hear gun control be put to the top of the agenda in the mainstream media unless something horrific had happened. Mm-hmm. So these mass shootings provide there, there's a, like a pretext there or whatever you want to call it well, where well I mean okay gun so control is top of the agenda. Obviously, we have this problem when we talk about gun control where we're actually talking about a very complex topic that isn't Extremely a cause and complex. effect type situation. Yeah. It's not like yeah. it's not so cause and effect. So uh, what you have in in modern Western society, in fact, most societies, is you have this kind of like uh, you have push button legislation. You know, they're like people are like rat in a cage, pushing a button, hoping to get the treat out. And the way that they do this is they think that they can legislate safety. You know, they think that law prevents crime, and they've been doing this for like ten thousand years. You know, easily a thousand years on the books. They keep making laws to be safer and they're never safer. Never. And it never works. Never? Laws, no, it never works because laws don't prevent crime. They punish crime. Law is about... Law attempts to be a deterrent for crime, but, you know, a murder has been a, a capital offense for years and yet people still do it. So obviously it, it doesn't work as a deterrent, right? Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have laws. On the contrary, we should have laws. But we should understand that when we make a law for safety, right... That we are deluding ourselves because it doesn't work. Laws don't prevent them. They punish them. They give us a way to pursue a criminal after the crime has been committed. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people, especially like the gun lobby, are trying to argue is that they want to find – they think that they have found a way to help them to prevent crimes in the act by – excuse me, by being armed, you know? Yeah. So a large part of the debate is is based on this fallacious reasoning of gun control will lead to less crime, right? Which is false. And make you safer. And make you safer by that. Now, uh, of course, there is this problem of, you know, you get a lot of talk from both sides, right? But uh, they're usually kind of actually arguing a little bit different points, you see? Because the people who want the gun control, they want less gun crime, right? But what they're actually arguing for is less shooting incidents, right? And the other guys, the gun lobby, is actually arguing for the opposite. They want more shooting instances and less of other types of crime. They want less robbery, less rape, they want less physical assaults, 
right? And the other people are saying, well, getting because because they don't understand guns, they don't carry guns, they're kind of very pacifist, Fabianist type of individuals, wait for the police to come, this type of idea, right? They they don't understand guns, and to them, they all, their only experience of guns is in the media. They see Rambo, he's got an M60, so that's how they look at any kind of gun-toting. Any person who has a gun, they imagine he's Rambo, and he's got this big, giant chain gun blowing away hundreds of people. That's their only real experience with guns. They don't shoot them, they don't own them. All right? And they think that shooting is the worst thing. It's the worst thing. And then when you get one of these Sandy Hook kind of incidents, they yeah. see that it can be very bad. It is horrible for children to get shot. It's, but it's just as horrible for children to get stabbed. And it's just as horrible for children to uh, die from infectious diseases or to drown in pools. There's all these other situations that children are dying um, that we also need to be looking at that the worst offender – of child deaths is infectious disease from lack of health care. The second one is actually drowning. It's kind of interesting that in the United States, more children drown in residential pools than are killed by guns. Um, that doesn't mean that we should ban pools, but it also doesn't mean that we shouldn't be looking at gun violence in schools because obviously gun violence in schools is completely unacceptable in every sense of the word. I mean, violence in schools is unacceptable. And the thing is, is that they think that banning a gun is going to end violence in schools, and they're not really aware of the fact that, okay, first of all, in countries that have very strict gun laws, there are still crimes in schools. There are still shootings in schools. They're much reduced in the shooting aspect because when you ban guns or when you legislate guns heavily, it reduces shooting crime. That's obvious. This is a logical conclusion. Less guns means less people getting shot. Five guns. Um, buy guns because there aren't any but unfortunately what it ends up doing and it is very true and it's very much proven is that it ends it, it the crime that was shooting now gets spread out into all the other crimes because a large amount of of shooting crimes can or should be attributed to to kind of self-defense shootings and things like this you know but you don't really have statistics of those things it's very difficult to find accurate statistics it's not difficult to find somebody claiming they have them Hold well, on a second. What about what about the argument though that, I mean, there's a, there's obviously a lethality with guns that you don't find with other weapons. And, or and, an and ease of maybe not truth, ease of use, that's, but that's not entirely true. It's not entirely true. Guns are not substantially more lethal than any other type of weapon. I mean, you're you're. I think it's uh, you have a three in four chance of dying from a knife wound, and you have a one in four chance of dying from a single gunshot. But of course, in these cases, you have multiple gunshots, and they're in a tight closed room with a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about a lethal situation. Um, um, what what about the idea that guns, in some way, are easier to use? Of course. Than, than say knives. I mean, you take the average. Oh no, no 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 no! A knife is eminently concealable. A knife requires no bullets, no gunpowder, no registration. You can make it in the back of your house. You can you can make it out of a screwdriver. In fact, uh, I think it's here in France. A lot of the gypsies. Uh, one of the things they're doing is is carrying around screwdrivers that have had the tip sharpened even more, and using those as shivs against people. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, I mean, uh, uh, the knife is the is the, is one of the deadliest and one of the most facile weapons. And you know, seeing the results of knife crime. Uh, if people who were talking about this whole gun violence stuff were to see, like, you know, what it looks like when somebody has been been sliced and stabbed twenty, thirty times from a knife fight, they would really be like, "Whoa, that's it, this is messed up." You know, I mean, arguing the 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 little details, the little gradations between, well, it's a little bit more dangerous here or there, 
is not really you know pertinent because violence should be the unacceptable thing, mm-hmm. not the particular type of violence, not how it finds its expression. Because whether or not that expression is raping women, robbing homeowners, stabbing people, or shooting kids in schools, that expression of violence has to be seen as unacceptable, and people should be trying to find out how can we deal with the violence. Mm-hmm. And one of the suggestions is let's ban the guns or let's legislate the guns or control the guns. Let's do background checks. This doesn't work. You yeah, know, because, it's not a bad idea, and it doesn't necessarily mean that there's some ulterior motive or some conspiracy behind this for the government, for example, no, to take away no, your guns. The government does not it's just want to a take bad away idea. The government does not want to take away your guns. I mean, only only very stupid, insecure governments want to take away guns. Mm-hmm. Guns. Small countries that are very, very insecure in themselves want to take away guns because they're not very progressive in their political thinking. The American, the, the American political elite are not stupid people, and they realize and recognize that the size and uh, technical skill of their paramilitary police and um, the institutions of the government are so armed in such an inordinate – I mean it's, there's such a disparity between the arms of – that are even accessible to the population and the arms that are accessible to the government that the government has absolutely nothing to fear – with you even owning an AR-15 Bushmaster, they don't have anything to fear if you owned M60s. I mean, really, they don't. From The government doesn't. Perhaps other people would, but the government in and of itself doesn't. I mean, when the Waco, the guys in Waco, Texas, they were stockpiling guns. ATF said, you can't do this. What they do? They sent in tanks, yeah. They sent in the tanks in the FBI. I mean, Branch Davidians didn't have a chance. Uh, forgetting whatever their, their religious or political opinions were, I don't care about that. I'm just mm-hmm. talking about, like, these people who come up and say we're going to resist the government, and no, you're not. I mean, in 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 1776, you could re- resist the government because you didn't have such a such a wide range of military hardware, and considering that you have today, I mean, you know, but today, in order for you to resist the government, you would have to have M16s and cruise missiles in your backyard and sort of service to air missile batteries, maybe maybe a couple of you know predator drones. Predator drones. You'd you know? have to have your own army. Basically. You'd have to have your own army, and even then, you wouldn't be guaranteed success because of the nature of of modern warfare, mm-hmm. um, which people don't study at all. They don't think about. They 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 think that they're going to do a revolution, and they're, all they're going to do is get themselves and other people killed. I mean, most of the people who would suffer from an attempted revolution would be uh, regular civilian, everyday Joes. That's what has has happened historically. You know, <laughs> that's uh, in war, yeah. even in war yeah. revolution, the people who suffer the most, the people who die yeah. the most, in the greatest numbers, are civilians who essentially don't really yeah. want anything to do with it. Right. right. So you have this sort of discussion about the Second Amendment and your Second Amendment rights, and and I should state up front that I'm 100% for Second Amendment rights because I don't think that you should ever remove a right that you've that you've won. Yeah. Well, mo- mo- I think it's dishonorable to the people who died for that right and thought it was very very important, unless you can show with some serious proof that that's the cause of a real problem, which I don't think is true. I don't think that the Second Amendment is responsible for the death of Sandy Hook. No. I don't think it's a simple cause and effect situation no. there. And yeah, I would agree with you. And I, um, I mean, well, this guy, one of the main things uh, that this guy, Piers Morgan, he's oh, been, on the, been on the U.S. And we're going to rag on Piers a little oh, bit here geez. because one of his main points has been on, on every, every time he's dealt with this on his show in recent weeks, he's been extremely critical of anybody, and the people he, he's had on have been people who expressed this idea of <laughs> that the Second Amendment is there to protect the population 
Right. From oh, a tyrannical from, government. From, yeah, from tyranny. Uh, Which is why it was there. Okay, it's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. And Piers turns around and, says, and, and ridicules these people and says, do you really think that, are you crazy enough to think that right now your government, this this US government would, would be planning some kind of tyrannical takeover of the country, putting people into FEMA camps, all this kind of stuff, but... He's, he's missing the point, and he's deli- I think he's either stupid or he's deliberately missing the point, because the point is that it is eminently logical for, given history, given what, what, what the events have, that have transpired throughout history where, where dictatorships have risen up in countries and yeah. persecuted yeah. the people and yeah. killed lots of people, yeah. it's completely natural uh, and, and logical for people to in a country to have the right to bear arms to resist against that kind of thing happening. If you look at the broad sweep of history, it makes sense. Have it there. And it's, it's, he tries to frame it as, do you think the US government, like dear, sweet, cute, you know, Cuddly. Kenyan Obama, yeah. is, is going to, well, allegedly, is going to uh, turn around and enslave everybody? But that's not the point. The point is that you have a law on the books for all uh, of history, for the entire history, for the future, for 50, 100 years. Who, how can peers turn around and say that it would never happen, ever, given, given what we know of history? Yeah. How can he say it would never, ever happen in 50, 100, 200 right. years that some kind of dictatorship would rise up in the US? I mean, just on that point alone, he's, he's completely wrong. Right. And he's, I mean, this, this, this is a problem with like the, the, there are certain people in the world that have like just kind of like adult brains that have the inability whatsoever to conceive of anything outside of a linear progression of history. We go from the caveman to the astronaut. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no cyclic nature to history at all, right? From then, everything gets better, okay? And it cannot go backward. Nothing can be retrograde. There's no retrograde evolution or devolution and things like this. So they kind of think like that. So, so, so that they... They have this kind of these typical weak arguments because from they, they're unable they're unable to conceive of the idea that anything could fall apart that anything could go back to that way because they don't understand the truth of history and, and that's why they're partially right and I'll explain to you why they're partially right the the Second Amendment and the First Amendment are not there to protect protect the minority of the majority they're there to protect a minority of people and there was at this time with all the founding fathers an understanding that. That democracy represented a kind of tyranny of the majority, that they wanted to have this democracy, but they wanted to make sure that the majority of the people could not, through emotional manipulation, be used as an instrument by a clever man to suppress and oppress a minority part of the population. They didn't want to have an ochlocracy. They didn't want to have mob rule. Okay, so this is why Jefferson and stuff in the, in, in the Declaration of Independence was talking about inalienable rights, uh-huh. these sort of basic human rights that can't be violated. That are self-evident. We find these truths to be self-evident. I, people like are that. free, they have the right to freedom of movement, freedom of speech. Yeah, and, and also the freedom to defend themselves against defense. the government. most yeah. Now, it's obvious from the way that the Constitution was written at that time and uh, the fact that the, many of the states rejected it outright without the Bill of Rights, which is a second document of amendments to the Constitution. They refused to ratify the Constitution. Some of them said that they would ratify it just because they promised the Bill of Rights and they did so, but uh, several states also said, we're not going to do anything until we see the Bill of Rights. And some of the things that they demanded were you know, the First Amendment, the um, 
the Second Amendment. The Third Amendment was very important at that time, you know, sort of like no soldiers should sleep in your home type of stuff. And the Fourth and Fifth Amendment, those are really sort of very important amendments in the in the Constitution. And the first one is freedom of religion and speech and expression and the ability to gather together to express your dissatisfaction and to petition the government for redress. The Second Amendment, of course, is to keep and bear arms. You know, the Fourth Amendment is against so, illegal search and seizures. So kind of what you're saying, and just to kind of sum up what, what you're saying here, is that the Second Amendment is – it's it's good. It, 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 it makes sense. It's, it, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with the right to bear arms, but that at the moment – the idea that the Second Amendment would be used to protect the people against tyranny is kind of obsolete. It's Obviously. completely obsolete in today's world. It's completely obsolete. They couldn't have foreseen the type of weapons that exist. I mean, in that sense, a lot of the people's arguments against guns is say that you know the the founding fathers couldn't have foreseen the assault rifle and things like this, and, and that is somewhat true. That doesn't mean that you should ban them, but I mean, okay, but the. The, the the validity of the Second Amendment is not useful right now in the context of the current world that we're in. Mm -hmm. But a right is easier kept than recovered. Yeah, and no a lot of it. people died and thought it was very very important. And you have an obligation to honor their wishes throughout history. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're if you're a patriot of of of, of this country, you have an obligation. Unless there is a real pressing reason why you shouldn't, all right? And this whole gun crime stuff is not a product because you, did, you, have, you didn't have these crimes. You've had guns throughout the entire history of America. Everyone's always owned guns. In fact, gun ownership is kind of dipping a little bit, but that, kind of, that stuff comes in cycles too. So you can't look at statistics for like a five-year period and say that this is indicative of the, of the nature of the country, you know? Gun ownership's kind of dipping and stuff like that, but we have this crime rise going on, this this rise of the spree killing. We've had like 65 of these school murders and stuff like that. And it turns out that most of them aren't really in the same class as like Sandy Hook. Uh, yeah, we we addressed that point last week. Yeah, addressed yeah. that point last week. Um, so you have that kind of thing, but it's like people. There've always been these guns, 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 and now suddenly there's crime. And how exactly do people make that connection that it must be because of the existence of guns? It's sort of like, do they imagine that, you know, the guns were building up magical powers over the years, passing from one evil gun owner to the next until the point is, is it's like some sort of horror movie where, you know, you, you touch some magical artifacts and it releases demons into the world, you know? Mm -hmm. Did guns, how did guns suddenly start causing this? Because it's, in my recent okay. memory... Let me just... Yeah. Interrupt you there for a second. We have a we have a call I think here, yeah. so uh, we're gonna, we're gonna oh, take dear. this. Hello. Uh, hello. Hi. My name is I'm calling all of you. Um, I'm 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 listening to what you're saying, but I have to agree. Like we're Pierce uh, Pierce Brosman saying, we it's not, I don't see no possibility as American that the government going to do tyranny to us. I don't see it at all. I don't see it in 20 years. I don't see it in 100 years. And the problem I have with government is that you're basically bringing fear oh, to America. You're, you're seriously, you're seriously yeah, you're, you're, choppy. You're, 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 we've got a really bad connection with 
connection with you there. Can you can you try and re- can you repeat your question Wait, again? Hold on, hold on. Just okay. just answer. Just hold on, hold on, dude. Hold on, dude. Just chill out because I think I understood what he asked. So I'm going to repeat it back to you in case we can't get such a great connection. That's a good again. idea. Okay. I think that what you're saying is he agrees with Piers Morgan because he doesn't see the government becoming tyrannical in one year, ten years, twenty years. Right? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what I was saying. That's a totally ridiculous. And, 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 hello. Go hello? ahead. Okay. And the problem I feel is the problem with gun owners. I feel that you're bringing bringing an institute of fear in our country of assuming things that never that's not happening. We're Americans, and and it's either we live with fear or we live with hope. I rather live with hope that you're gonna have it. And have All right, it. dude, I got it. Oh, I gotta say something. I don't want to live with you. You've been too much society of fear. Fear of Muslims, fear of this, fear of that. You don't want to live like with fear. Okay, okay, dude. You're really choppy, but I kind of hear what you're saying. He's saying that um, that he he doesn't he he wants to live, he believes in hope he believes in and in, in the good stuff. He doesn't want to live in a culture of fear, and he feels that the gun lobby is creating a culture of fear, right? Mm-hmm. And I can see where you're coming from, dude. I totally can. And I can see that also for a certain part of the population of the United States, there will never be a tyranny. You have to kind of understand that. You know, it's people look at tyranny and they don't really kind of understand it. What the what tyrannies do is they suppress the 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 borders of society, the small the the outside outskirts of it, but the center, the the creamy center of society is almost never really fundamentally oppressed because. They don't do anything that needs to be oppressed. They're just consumers. They just do this stuff. What ends up happening is you have a lot of people in society who, for whatever reason, kind of want to do their own thing, not necessarily in a negative part for society, but they just want to do their own thing. And the, the, the government kind of doesn't want that to happen. So they get oppressed, the, the oppression of minorities. And that does happen. I mean, it's, it's unfair to say, looking at the history of America, that it's very, very recent that we've lived in this small, tiny band where we've just come out of the civil rights movement. We've just come out of the allowing, you know, black people and women to vote period. You know, we're in this tiny band. And what a lot of people are saying is not so much that the government will become a tyr- tyranny, it's that, that it's been too little of amount of time of goodness in America, of this good feelings of this women can vote, black people can vote, hey, we're getting rid of racism, we're working through this stuff. It's been too short for them to feel secure, so they're, they're afraid of that stuff. So they're not trying to create a culture of fear. They're saying that already they're a little bit saying, hold on a second, you know, Things have not been good enough long enough, and you know that is some of the reasons why uh, the Second Amendment was put into place and why they had this concept of an alien rights because they didn't want somebody to give away that right during a peacetime, which happens in every culture mm-hmm. throughout history. There are times of peace, but they had they were afraid at the time because it was cyclical, and every time that there was a long stretch of peace, they would then be followed by a long stretch of wars which I don't know isn't happening at all right now. It's like not like we haven't been in 10 years' worth of war, okay? And then after that, because of the loss of life and because of the stress on the economy, then immediately followed by that is a dangerous period where tyrannies can pop up. And so that's what people are seeing, and they're afraid of that. And so they're saying that, hold on, we're, we want to ensure that it doesn't happen. And that's kind of what I see well, the gun lobby's perspective as. Yeah. Are you still there, caller? Yes, I'm here. 
Well, and, and that's 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 the problem I have. The whole fear, and, and I like to understand many who don't have God, who don't have God, who don't live in fear, have the same right that we do, the, the right to speak, the right of liberty, just to go to Canada. You don't have. Uh, everybody has the right to have a gun, but they have the same right of the right to speak, the right of things. Many countries, we're not the only country who has those rights, like we said. And, and, yeah. and to act like we're the only one is being hypocrite. We're not. We're not. And if we're going to yeah. be no. honest, we have to study every other country who do have the same right as as us, but don't have guns. So how do you explain that? They have the same right as us. They have many a different history, but when you look at it now, they have the same right. They don't have a gun problem, and they don't need a gun, and they still have the right to speak to do what we do. Absolutely, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, thanks for your call. Thanks for your call, Thank man. You very much. Thank you. So, I mean, that guy. We didn't get his name, but he was. I think his name was Donny. Did he say his name was Don? I didn't. I didn't quite catch it, but he was, was a nice kid. Yeah, you know, he was basically, you know, decrying the fact that. You know the whole gun debate now, and uh, mm. guns in American society in general create a, a an atmosphere of fear, an atmosphere of fear in the country. But maybe the the point there is that the U.S. government kind of thrives on fear. Well, and, sometimes, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, they they achieve a Governments lot. They achieve want a lot. The fear of their power. Like well, the police. Work well, not just the fear of their power, but look what I mean. He mentioned fear of Muslims <laughs> right. at one point there. Obviously, the fear of Muslims. Has right. been deliberately manipulated sure, into the American sure. mind and into the, the you know the Western civilization, mm-hmm. the mind of Western civilization, um, and it's a completely false fear. But they do it for a specific reason. Mm, yeah, so, so I mean, so, it yeah. seems to me that if if uh, like getting back to what you were saying earlier on, Jason, that the government doesn't want to take your guns away, it wants people to have guns. It doesn't really matter to them if they have to choose. They'll choose let people have guns because if this caller was right, if Donnie, if that's his name, was right. Um, then if that serves to increase the atmosphere of fear in the USA, right. well, then that's simply going to lead people to be more dependent on authority, on the authorities to protect them. And that's what the government wants. Ultimately, the government wants people to remember, like as we said last week, to remember why, why they, they need, need us. us. Right. So, I mean, sure, it, he's talking about an ideal, ideal world type of thing where there is no fear and we everybody lives understand. in peace and hope and stuff, but... For the average American, it's not even specifically white Americans. It's kind of more like middle class Americans, you know, and a lot of people who, you know, have come from countries that were very bad in consideration to to what it's like for when when they come into the U.S. That actually life is life can be pretty good in America. So you have a really hard time arguing these things to people mm. who haven't lived in abject poverty. I mean, I lived, you know, for for the first, you know, eight years of my life in in, in very abject poverty. So I've been. I've been on the other side of the tracks, and I know kind of like what it's like to be there. And um, for most people, America is is actually kind of good because America has the illusion of wealth. I mean, it's not real wealth. It's fake wealth in a certain sense. It's wealth that keeps you occupied so that you never do anything meaningful in life, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so nobody in America really builds like giant cathedrals or big statues. You know, no one's dragging around giant stones like they apparently claim that you do, whatever. No one's building pyramids. No one's doing anything great. There's no, there's no heroes in America in a certain sense. There's no Hercules. There's, there's nothing like this. <clears throat> and to maintain this, 
you have to give people enough sustenance to just kind of live. So they, they have this whole debt where they have a nice car and TV and they buy their iPhone and they do all this different stuff. They don't actually own those things. Yeah, they do it all on credit. They do it all on credit. They don't actually own those things. So it's not really wealth, but it's the illusion of wealth mm -hmm. because – for them, functionally, it's the same thing. Before, they lived their lives as peasants in poverty, and there was a high aristoc uh, an aristocratic high class that was very decadent and closed off, and everyone was very uh, a wide base beneath them. There was no kind of like middle class. And then they said, well, this really sucks. And then they came up, and now there's everything's more equally distributed in the sense of this idea of wealth, which is really just debt. And you don't really have wealth. You don't have anything. And it just keeps you from doing anything worthwhile and important. Yeah, you know, in a certain sense, it may, it's, it's basically society has started to exist simply to continue its existence, mm -hmm. and that's a fair way to operate in a certain sense. From a government's perspective, they want to maintain their power in the way that they do things, and they want to maintain the status quo. And most of the people in the country want to do the same. So for them, the way the world is right now today is good. And if the government wants to go off to some other country and take oil or kill people, is and it's going to filter back to you, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. I don't care that there's you know 7.6 million children uh, dying every year all over the world, and 5.5 million of those are from treatable diseases, and you know all the people starving in the world, and all this violence and stuff like that. I don't care that my government may be involved in setting up. Uh, banana republics and regimes uh, just so that they can go and knock them down and, and, and take their resources. Maybe that's happening, maybe not. But uh, but it, they don't care because it doesn't really affect you. And but at the same time, there is an underclass in the U.S., no? There is, that, absolutely. That aren't happy with their life. Absolutely, and that is where the tyranny of America comes in. It's in the low classes, the poor classes, the, the sort of the, the, the strong legs and back of, of the society that are just there to sort of like, you know, work and work and work. You know, yeah, the, the working class. But at the same time, class. even those people buy into the kind of American dream. That's the thing. That's the thing. I don't it's really think them. so. I don't really think so. I mean, well, I mean, uh, the, I actually have a clip here of of um, that kind of maybe illustrates the point. At least it illustrated the point for me. Right. And it's a clip from uh, the fa America's favorite president of all time, George W. Bush. Um, who, said, in, who said he's America's favorite? I did. From oh, I love George Bush. From, 2000, George. from 2005 when he was uh, talking at a town hall meeting in Omaha, <laughs> Nebraska, and uh, a woman in the audience asked a question. Um, like, we don't actually have the, the specific question, but um, here's what, well, here's her comments and here's what uh, Bush responded. There's a certain comfort to know that the promises made will be kept by the government. You don't have to worry. That's good because I work three jobs and I feel like I contribute. You work three jobs? Three jobs, yes. Uniquely American, isn't it? I mean, that is fantastic that you're yeah. doing that. I mean, okay. Get yeah. any sleep? There's the clincher, you know. Get any sleep? Get any sleep? The thing is, ha ha. But for me, what I was getting from her, her, her point there was that she was kind of conflicted in the fact that the, the facts of her life were that she's a single mother and she was having to work three jobs, probably a menial uh, basic wage, yeah. to, to, and she could barely cover her expenses. And as Bush, Bush uh, very perceptively noted, was that she does, because I think afterwards she says, no, I don't get any sleep actually, you know. But um, when he said it's uniquely American, 
you know, uh, and she said she, people applauded. The yeah. whole audience applauded. This was uniquely American that a single mother had yeah. to work three jobs at at a at a, at a menial wage uh, just to make ends meet, and she doesn't really make ends meet. And that this is her contribution yeah. to to America, and she's happy. She's meant to be happy with that. That's, yeah. that's uniquely American. That's the American well, dream. And so, on the one hand, there's the facts of her life, which are pretty, probably pretty, pretty dire and pretty dismal. She's not having a good life, but at the same time, she's being encouraged, and the whole audience believes that this is somehow good, you know. And I think that's just one example of of this American dream, where people, even when they are marginalised socially and impoverished and basically ignored by the powers that be, uh, they're under this intense pressure to believe that they have the best of of the best basically you know and that for me that kind of ultimately it's gonna it's, it's a kind of pressure cooker you know people are eventually gonna maybe if that continues people are eventually going to i mean the problem is, is like in order to understand any of these things i mean you have to go so wide <clears throat> into so many different topics like psychology here you have to understand you know kind of like not just the psychopath but even kind of like the 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 sort of the spirit of meanness that exists in the middle classes the almost kind of desire to torture kind of like the torturing an animal type of thing that um the most enjoyment for them comes from uh not just the idea of the oppressed but the uh, the oppressed being happy with it in a certain sense mm-hmm. they want you to be they want you to ask more punishment type of thing this is this is the way that they think and 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 bush being extremely psychopathic you know, would would naturally make that kind of comment, and we got we got a, what? Oh yeah, so, so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna we get got going. we got a call. I'm I'm not I'm not being a good uh, I'm not keeping up with these calls here. We got a call uh, oh, from yeah. a while ago. Hi, caller, can you hear us? Hello. Hi, what's your name? Hi, this is Genevieve. Hi, Genevieve. Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm actually calling from the United States. Well, what okay. part of the United States? I'm actually from there. Uh, Indianapolis, <laughs> Indianapolis Indiana. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the air. Big old, big old red state. Yeah. So you've got a, you got a question or comment? Well, um, the comment that I wanted to make really about the gun control issue is that I, I have a hard time with it because... In reading the newspapers, which um, I do on occasion, and watching any sort of mainstream media, the whole idea of gun control to me just further divides humanity. One hundred percent. Yeah. It, it, I think it's a. I think it's purposefully done um, mm-hmm. to divide the masses. You know, there. Um, I guess that's the point that I wanted to stress because there are so many people out there that still. Are either one way or the other, or are very worried about our guns being taken away when all of our other rights are being stripped away and those aren't being talked about. Amen. One hundred percent. I mean, she's cut right to the issue that we've we've kind of been dancing around up until this point, which is that you know people are arguing about the Second Amendment right. But in the end, you know, I mean, they they've they have extraordinary rendition. They have now uh, legislated the right to be able to arrest and detain without trial. The NDA, yeah. yeah, any person to execute them in some cases to torture them. Um, you're no longer allowed to make protests. They've declared that low-level terrorism, mm-hmm. and which is a violation of your First Amendment right to uh, to gather together and 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 uh, petition your government for redress and yeah. things like that. So even even your right to private property. I mean. 
eminent domain. Yeah, well, eminent domain has always been a problem in the U.S. I mean, it's always been kind of creeping in, a, in the back of a lot of libertarian mm-hmm. type of people yeah, pointing cool. out that you've never really had the right to property in the U.S. And when everything's mortgaged, you don't have the right to property anyway. anyway the so bank's it's, it's it, a yeah. moot point, you know? Yeah. So contractually given it away. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean that that is something we were Genevieve, that's something we were we were going hoping to get into, which was the idea that basically this whole gun control debate is, like you said, uh a, a, an attempt at divide and conquer and um it's a redirection it's a redirection of the real issue, which is yeah. uh, it's directing the issue towards kind of like saying this is a social problem that all you Americans need to deal with. Uh, it's your problem when, in fact, the, the the frustration and anger, justified frustration and anger of the American people should be directed at their corrupt leaders. Correct. Yes, and I apologize for jumping the gun there. Um, no, 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 no. We're so no, happy pun, you called. No pun intended, but as far as a diversionary tactic, yes, it is. And it, it, it's quite frustrating to be able to see it for what it is and... Uh, yeah. And, well, um, it's, it's extremely important. It's extremely important that that, that you do see it, you know. Well, if, if other if people could become as passionate about all the other rights that have been stripped away, instead of the right to bear arms, then maybe we might actually be heading somewhere more positive or more hopeful. Absolutely. So, so more thank useful. You guys for, thank you for taking my call. You're no problem. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thanks, and, uh, thanks for calling in. Right. You have a, Thank you have you. a good night. You, you keep you, you keep Thanks Indiana for the safe. Show, guys. All right. Take All care. Right. Bye. 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 Oh, we're going so, to go to another call here actually because we, we he's been waiting for a while. All right. Yeah. Okay. Pull him he up. He or she. Hello, caller. Can you hear us? Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hello. Uh, Jason. Hi. Neal what's your Joe. name? Betsy. Hi, Betsy. Betsy, where are you calling from? North Carolina. Uh-huh. North Carolina. You're very welcome, Betsy. Um, I just called to bring up a point of firearms are practically the only way a woman has of protecting herself against rape. Yeah. Um, it's it's a horrible thing to say, but rape is a is a very prevalent crime in the United States, right. and the police are not there until it's over with. Yeah. Um, uh, if I could. If I, because we we were actually this is another caller who's jumping the gun because one of the big things that we were going to cart out is this talking about and and in many of the societies that ban guns, the the drop in shooting deaths gets spread out and one of the ways that it gets spread out actually into things like rape, burglary, and vicious assaults, so that they don't have so many shooting deaths, but now they have more women being raped or at least a a uh, proportionate number of women being raped to the US even though they have a population five times less which is insulting like in Britain where the 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 rape rate of women in Britain even though it's got five times less the population is like right on par with us and their violent crime and burglary is higher than ours sure so and and and, and uh I think Penn Gillette from the Penn and Teller group his main thing was is that no matter how you slice it at the end of the day he was saying kind of what Betsy is is that um women usually are the people who have the most need of a gun for self-defense because no matter how strong they are, they still can't necessarily be strong than a, than a decently strong man, and sometimes guns are their only recourse to self-defense, and that's just, that's an extremely valid reason for someone to have a gun. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's 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 what lets me live alone in a very remote location. Exactly. Um, I, I, the closest help is probably 15, 20 minutes away as far mm-hmm. as police help goes. If I was to call the sheriff or somebody was wanting to kick in my door, my only defense in this country is a firearm. That's right. the only thing that allows me freedom of movement. That's the only thing that protects me from assault. That is, um, you know, I'm, I have nowhere near the strength of a of, of a man who might want to kick in my front door or crimes like that. I I agree with you that it, firearms won't do anything to help us keep our rights. Our rights are already flying out the window, and like the prior caller said, no one notices. Um, yeah. No one's commenting on it. Those are gone. I'm not going to be able to protect myself from my government with firearm. I can, however, protect myself from a criminal. Exactly. Um, someone who wants to take my freedom, take my life, whatever that is. That, to me, is the primary reason that we need firearms in this country. We cannot have a policeman on every corner. <laughs> so we don't want a policeman on every corner. So do you even see- if you did, it wouldn't stop you know people coming into. There's a lot. Most of the rapes, a large majority of the rapes, you know, that happen, you know, don't happen on the street corner necessarily. They they happen in people's homes. They happen during home invasions, or they happen uh, during parties. They happen, you know, in the backs of clubs and things like this. You know, you can't have policemen there all the time. And, you know, police and laws are for the pursuing of criminals who have already committed the crime. Correct. You know, but once a woman's been raped, she's already been raped and the damage has been done. And I would say that a great deal of damage, um, and, and from a woman's perspective, I would think, not being a woman, I can't say, maybe Betsy can say, that, that rape is, is a very strong violation. Absolutely. It's a very strong violation, and it's one of those ones that's tolerated a little too much in our society. I think the statistic that I heard once is that a woman is raped like every three minutes. I mean, it's an insulting so, level of rape in yeah, America. It's horrific. It's horrific. And Betsy. we're expected to, for some reason, accept that. And more often than not, it's, it's actually flipped on the vic- victim. What did you do to get more raped? Often. Yeah, Absolutely. it's the well, you were wearing high heels, suddenly... You, you were in the wrong rape. place at the wrong... What, what were yeah. you doing there alone is the one that you hear all the time, like a woman is supposed to go everywhere escorted by a man. I am, I mean, Mr. Kimber. Pure, yeah, that's I pure am. psychopathic... That's pure pure psychopathic thinking, and uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's infected even blaming the victim. Yeah, blaming the victim, and that's that's what you see with the, the psychopathic, polarized society. I would even say, for a certain sense, that it's actually what you see in a kind of the mean spirited authoritarian aspect. The the uh, violations are your fault, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. uh, your. Because you were doing because almost because a lot of the times what people do is it gets presented that the women who get raped are usually they're independent you see and that sort of violates the status quo of what of these the pa- things of the patriarchal a woman society. shouldn't be outside of it she should be barefoot pregnant in the kitchen cooking dinner and if she's out you know doing business and gets raped then well she got what she deserved type of thing and it's mean spirited in, in society mean-spirited, today. It's psychopathic. and they're also it's also a crime against poverty I mean most of the people who are victims of these crimes. Are are poor or marginal or lower middle class, whereas everyone who's trying to promote gun control has bodyguards. And have you noticed that? Every single person who wants to take, in the U.S. government, who wants to take your guns away, um, who wants to pass laws that say average citizens cannot have guns, they have bodyguards. They have have the wealth to protect themselves with paid security people with guns, um, and then they want to take that same right away from you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's bullshit. It's so total let, bullshit. Let me just ask you, Betsy. Do you? What's your opinion on? I mean, in your section of U.S. society, do you feel that it's? Do you feel kind of secure or insecure when you're going about your daily business? Do you? I mean, 
Oh, I'm very secure. I have a Kimber 45. <laughs> she's like, I'm, I'm completely secure. I go where I want, when I want, whatever time I want. So you don't feel threatened, generally speaking. Uh, not at all. I live completely what? without the fear that a lot of women have because they're not trained or prepared to protect themselves. So you'd put that down just to to the owner uh, having a gun, being being an owner of a gun. You'd put absolutely. That I mean, there are places that I simply could not go. I would not feel as comfortable living here. I would be in constant fear without the method, without a method of protecting myself. And that's the other thing, too, is that it's not just that you're going to protect yourself, but the weapon itself prevents the crime without it ever being drawn. Predators look for easy prey. They can look at a woman who is fearful and see her and, and go after her, whereas they, they see a woman like me walking down the street, I look them in the eye, they know I'm armed. And they never, it never goes beyond that point because they go pick easier prey. They have proved this in, science, in psychological studies where they have taken uh, sexual predators, rapists, and things like that. They have shown them videos of women walking down halls, and they have been able to pick out uh, uh, the weakest kind of member, the members who have been sexually assaulted before and therefore would be primed for another sexual assault. Or the, or just, or the, or the ones that just feel insecure. Or right? the ones well, that feel insecure. Well, I remember this study. They, they were able to pick out the, the more insecure one just by the way she walked. Exactly. Yeah. And it was a tiny little thing, just a little and when they pointed or a little it out. shrug on the shoulder or something. Yeah. They, oh. they can also, you can also tell if a person is carrying a firearm by the way they walk. I mean, police yeah. do this as well. Police can, a lot of trained police officers can stand on a city street and look and tell who is walking and carrying a weapon and who isn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Betsy, would you, do you see it as any kind of an indictment on American society in general that you need to carry a gun to feel secure? That's humanity. I mean, we've always had predators, we've always had okay. psychopaths, and we always will. Do we have more now? I think we have more in government, but uh -huh. I don't think there's the any street? possible way to eliminate. Women have been, you know, being raped since a man first picked up a club mm -hmm. uh, and started walking upright. Um, I, yeah. I don't see that we're any different now in that respect than, say, the Old West or. Even prior to that, in, in Roman times, women who carried daggers, you know, in, in certain cultures before guns were invented, they made it against the law for people to carry swords. Yeah, um, in did. Europe and places like that, again, they're, they're creating victims. Anytime someone is deprived of the most popular weapon of the time, then that yeah. creates a victim, a potential victim. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's been true. And, and, and in my article, I, I quoted some legislation from way back in Queen Elizabeth the first time. 1566, yeah. 1566. And I, and I had heard of some legislation from, like, Greek times. I just didn't have time to go through because I like to check as much as possible the sources, and I, I didn't have time to for the article. But, I mean, I know that there are extant texts talking about the limiting of of armaments, even back to the Greek city-states time and stuff. It's it's the long history of weapon legislation, um, which, as Betsy was saying, it, it creates victims, um, and it creates an insecure society. And the problem is, is that you have a lot of people arguing from a lot of different angles. You have part of the gun lobby is arguing irrationally for the we need to defeat the government or protect ourselves from the government. Now, that's a true. The pro it's a true. The problem is it's impractical. You just can't do it anymore. Well, that, that, can I insert yeah, something sure. in there? I agree with you if it was the population trying to rise up against the government. The whole concept yeah. of, of the populace having what they erroneously call assault weapons, semi-automatics yeah. and high-capacity magazines and whatnot, 
would be if a portion of our military woke up. Yeah, and, absolutely, I agree. I you agree. know, at that point, having an armed populace to support that portion of our military who realize, you know, our Constitution has been completely subverted, it is time to sure. just, you know, lock up all these psychopaths and mm-hmm. start over with fresh, fresh elections, then yes, having an armed populace would be very, very useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, but, but it I mean, would take it would take generals who have access to major troops that yeah, would yeah, finally say no, we're that. not going to do this anymore. But yeah. then, yes, as a supportive of that, it, it, again, we're back to you know how the original Revolutionary War happened. It was yeah. a very small military and supported yeah. by a very large armed populace. Yeah, it was, and I mean the the, the American Revolution, you know, happened at a time where it was very possible to do those things. Um, and to 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 win in that sense, you know. Absolutely, so yeah. it's not quite the same because it's one thing to rebel against uh, your your foreign masters that have to cross an ocean and 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 have it's very costly for them to occupy you, and it's a different situation if you try to rebel against a government that is established within you without, as she was saying, the support of a conscientious military. Um, I think but I, I think you're 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 cutting. You're not taking into account how huge this country is. I mean, what you're saying I would agree with in the cities, in the major cities. But if you're talking about these remote, it would be impossible for our government to to stop a revolution that started nationwide. It, we simply don't have a large enough military. Okay. I mean, we this, we're talking a huge. Our country is you know as big as the UK. I mean, yes, they could they could be able to oppress and and control. They could send the military in to control major city dwellers, but out in the country, no, I don't. I, I agree with it if you, if you look at it from that perspective, okay. But um, you, in a certain sense, there have been a, several researchers in recent times. Uh, you know, General Frank Kitson from the UK, uh, Major Trinquier from the French. That um, they talk about that exact problem. The fact is, is that countries are very large, and it's hard to go and get the guerrillas, right? And they talk about the – like even in Algeria, they found it very difficult to suppress guerrilla movements. Or so well, look at Afghanistan. Right. And in mm-hmm. Afghanistan, too. And the Russians in Afghanistan, and now us, the United States in Afghanistan. Those exactly. Are guerrillas. So you have to see the, the, the strategy that they came up with and which Trinquier talks about, Kitson talks about, is that actually what they do, don't do is they don't – go after the guerrillas. They said it's a waste of time to do it. The country's so big they can hide. They know the area. What they actually do, and they talk about it, and they admit it, first of all, they dress up like the people, the guerrillas, and go around and commit crimes in their name. And they launch a massive propaganda campaign against their own peaceful population to make it so that they have no ground to go to. It's it's a Sun Tzu strategy. If they go to ground, Mm -hmm. have no ground to go, that type of thing. So what they do is they don't go after you in the jungles. They leave you, and you can hit your little things here and hit your little things there. And they go after their own population with a strong propaganda campaign and false flag operations to get them to hate you so that whenever you go from town to town, you're rejected, you're reported, and there's no safety for you. So that has that has been the developed recent strategy since from, from like the 1980s, 1950s, and 60s on from their experiences in Kenya and Malaysia, Algeria, Indochina. Right, because she's what you're saying, Betsy is completely correct. That was the problems that they found with the the Russians in Afghanistan, and even what they're finding now, going into a foreign country 
And suppressing rebels is very difficult because they know the lay of the land, they know where to go, and they're supported by the population. So what they're trying to do in America, and Genevieve was, I think it was Genevieve who was pointing this out, the separation of people, you know, the, they're testing different types of polarization. One of those issues is smoking. Another one of those issues is gun control. Yeah. They're trying to polarize the population. And abortion. Each other. And, and a abortion. dozen different other issues. Yeah. Homosexuality, uh, alternative religions. They want to polarize people against each other mm-hmm. so that they can't have well, any kind of effect. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, population. and yeah. it's very successful. Uh, you know, unless a portion of our military actually broke off you know, yep. and, and started a a cleansing of Washington, D.C., let's say. I mean, I, I realize mm-hmm. I'm creating a total figment of imagination here yeah. because they're mm-hmm. very well-programmed little soldiers. I don't think this would ever happen. But if mm. it did, um, well, that would be the point that having an armed populace would actually be useful. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so when it... Uh, well, I, I don't want to like contradict. I mean, I'm I'm pro-military, you know, because where I grew up, there were a lot of you know Vietnam vets. I worked with them. I went to school with them. Uh, none of them were pro-government at all. They were all anti-government. They were all pro-gun. They were all. I mean, these were Vietnam vets. They came back. They were really messed up. You know, I mean, I went to school with a guy who used to. He was the gunner in a helicopter in Vietnam. You know. And he was just, he was the most anti-government person I'd ever met in my entire life, you know. I mean, most of my anti-government sentiment, if you could say it, was that was influenced by him, you know. And I have I have a very strong respect for the military. I don't think that they're so mind-programmed. I think that, that they're in that situation and they're being, they're being bombarded in the briefings with, oh, we're liberating people and stuff like that. But I think that they're going out and they're seeing on the people's faces that they're hated, Every time they're running one of these yeah. checkpoints, everybody who drives by hands them their papers with this look of, if I could kill you, I would. And right. it keeps them away. And it's why you see such a high suicide rate in the military over there. It's not happen- They're not being killed because of insurgents, quote unquote. They're killing themselves because they see the atrocities that they're being asked to commit. They're realizing the bombardment in the briefings, the propaganda, the you're here, your freedom, all this stuff is bullshit. Um, they're really tired of it, and they're tired of killing people, and they're killing themselves because they feel guilty and mm-hmm. culpable. Well, I that's think why, that's why they um, had to turn around and recruit two hundred thousand uh, mercenaries for Iraq. That's for example, why you know I mean they had a hundred thousand soldiers and two hundred thousand mercenaries because the mercenaries will do it for for money. They'll do it for the money. They'll do it for propaganda. Do it for kicks as well. Because yeah. it turns out because military because people who join the military. People who willingly join the military, in my opinion, usually do it for honorable purposes, and they are honorable people, and I don't think that they're they're being lied to. They're being lied to. They're a tool like a gun, you know? They're being misused by a psychopathic elite. And and I do think that the reason that there's all these security companies being created is because this psychopathic elite realizes that they can't have such control over the military because those people aren't in it for the money. Yeah. They and we're starting to, to see that in America, too. We're starting to see police officers who were that uh, police lieutenant who got arrested at, Occupy, at the Occupy um, protests. A, uh-huh. lot of, a lot of sheriffs in the United States are simply saying, no, we won't do that. So yeah. we're starting to see our own homebound paramilitary organizations, the police, exactly. the sheriffs, the deputies, who, are, who have a, a line where they say no. It yeah. may be why we already haven't been all rounded up and put in these camps that everyone's afraid of. Yeah, uh, it's it's getting the military to work against 
the American people, well, that's where they came from. That's mm-hmm. going to be very difficult to do. So, like you said, they've got to go the more propaganda route. They've, mm-hmm. Which is why it's, you know, I, I, I toyed around with the idea of even calling in because so many people have just made up their minds they don't think. They, they, they're they going to get their right. opinion off right. the television or off the computer or off of right. Alex right. Jones or whatever crazy uh, person out mm-hmm. there tells them how to think. It almost seems like a, I don't want to say the show is a waste of time. It's not, but it, it's almost like, Okay, yeah. so you get intelligent people together to talk about a, a particular topic. That really doesn't help when you have, you know, 200 million drones who are just going to do whatever they're told to do. Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, these people are kind of like the inert mass in a certain sense. And, uh, I mean, it's a whole, uh, they are converted and they're constantly bombarded with all this propaganda. And that's definitely a negative facet of society. But also I think that, you know, our only real chance uh, aside from, you know, like, you know, people are saying, like, oh, if the military comes in and, and does something, maybe we could have some revolt. But we really do have an opportunity to have a, a mental revolution, an educational mm-hmm. revolution mm-hmm. of people. That's the only way it's going to be You don't have to be violent about this stuff. You need to start working on educating people mm-hmm. about the truth, getting them to think critically. And that is – we're not going to get – because look what happens. If every revolution happens – the minute the revolution is done, the next leaders are almost always worse than the first, and then you have to fight to get rid of them, and then you kind of get to this compromised state for a while, which is what we've been in the U.S. for the last couple hundred years. Is the compromised state. After the Civil War, we, we kind of got into this compromise where you know it's not so bad, not so good, and we maintain that. We try to maintain it. We fight to maintain it, and then at the end, it ultimately loses. Uh, exactly. Lose, sorry. So, Okay. Uh, we got another caller coming in, so thank you very much for calling, Betsy. It was very awesome to hear from you. Thank you. All right, thanks, Betsy. Thank you. We have another caller. We do. Hello. 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 Hey, good Hi. buddy. How's it going? It's well, going all right. How you doing, sir? I am doing very good. Where are you calling from? Um, hold on, wait. Let me get back. My headphones on. Oh, shit, okay. Got your headphones on. All right, so where are you calling from, man? I'm calling from Fort Worth, Texas, man. Ah, oh, good, man. All right. And what's, what you got to tell us? Um, I, I'm a, I'm a, I was just chiming in. I'm a um, two-time combat veteran, and um, I I think the problem, I think what what's going to have to happen as far as, um, number one, what what America is going to end up having to do is having to do like uh, Iceland did is overthrow the government. I mean that's that's what's going to have to happen. I mean it, it's not a maybe it's 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 not a matter of if it's just a matter of when. And and the thing that I think that us conservatives uh, need to continue to do is to continue to be con- consistent. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of times conservatives, you know, we, we tend to. To, to, to stray away from from the main issues, you know, we tend to entertain liberal propaganda when, when really we shouldn't even entertain that nonsense, you know. And I think that uh, because the fact of the matter is, uh, a lot of soldiers have gotten out the military. Yep. A lot of soldiers have gotten out the military, and and and. and there's something wrong with your, your connection or something that keeps fizzing up. No, we yeah, hear you fine. We, we got you. Keep going. Yeah, we we hear uh, you. But it keeps oh, anyway, anyway, what, what's going to have to happen is the fact that uh, 
the soldiers, the soldiers, uh, like myself, I was the kind of soldier where, you know, I, I was very opinionated because mm-hmm. I spoke the truth, and, and that's not what they liked, you know. But but there wasn't just me like that. There were more soldiers like that, mm-hmm. and yep. and the soldiers like me that that have gotten out and and they see through the, the the malarkey and the and the, and the skullduggery of the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we we can have an effect on other soldiers in, in yep. sailors and marines, you know. But I think yep. that that's what's going to have to happen, you know, because mm-hmm. the uh, the thing about liberals, I give it to liberals, man. I mean, they, they've been consistent in in their issues, and they stuck to it, you know. And, and right. that's a lot of times the crap they'll push is Republicans need to cater more to minorities when that's really, again, that's that's malar- that's malarkey because prior yep. to the 1960s, most most yeah. Minorities, especially me being a black American, were Republicans. So Perhaps. that again, that again is is liberal propaganda, <laughs> and I and I think that a lot of the problem is is plain and simple. You know, is that people like the young lady was saying are not researching, are not engaging, yep. and I think yep. that they're gonna people are gonna have to see Obama for what he is. You know, yep. and, and and one friend of mine was on the radio show last night. He said, you know, I, 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 I'm a firm believer that I think, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we were just putting ideas out there. And he was saying that if Alan West ran for president in 2016, that he feel that uh, a lot that, that he should cater to minorities because, let's be honest, most blacks are just going to vote either because of Democratic Party ticket or skin color, and that's just how it is, you know, and and, and that's a fact that. Many many don't want to accept, but but it's true, you know, and 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 I mean, that's just my whole opinion on it, you know. Like yeah. I said, if and, I could and, chime in, bro, for just a minute, because yeah. I think that a lot of people might misinterpret what he's saying, but what he's saying is fundamentally true about the Republicans, about conservatives, and they're sort of they're flip flopping on, on on certain issues, right, and and adopting liberal stances. So you have. You know, from the perspective of liberals as being like kind of like Fabianist, pacifist kind of like middle class people who are all like, let's get rid of the game, blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. And then you have the conservative people who have a long time been uh, staunch Republicans, which is about let's maintain the republic, maintain the rights, maintain the, the order of government. You have these people um, that will start changing their arguments, you know, into like, oh, no, it's for it's for hunting, it's for game. They'll, they'll change their arguments in the gun control yeah. issue specifically because that's what the topic is here, not necessarily that. They'll change their arguments to to pacify the opposing party because they don't want to look bad or they don't want to look like they don't want to look like they represent the virtues and values they do, and that's having having a conservative party which which I am a conservative type of person having those people you know back off from their principles whenever someone some emotional kind of like liberal type of individual I'm just using those terms those terms have mm. a meaning in this specific context right you might call them Fabian mm-hmm. pacifist or whatever whatever you know they they change their principles and what they think is right, the right for, like Betsy was saying, with women's self-defense, uh, you know, the, the the rights of 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 minorities and things like that, of protecting those things, of the rights of what the, the government was built on. The government was built on this idea of inalienable rights for the protection mm-hmm. of minorities. And that was a republicanism idea. That was not a democratic ideal. That was a republican ideal um, from yeah. Thomas Jefferson with his democratic republicanism. So, I mean, what he's saying is kind of – is essentially true as long as you, as long as you hear the words and, and understand what they mean. So mm-hmm. that, I just wanted to jump in and say that because, yeah. you know – 
you know, a lot of people when they hear the oh it's conservatives versus liberals and they and they try to dismiss the argument, but what he what he's saying is true. Yeah. You know, from my opinion, I, I just and, wanted to sit up there. Oh and no, I, I understand that. That's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to confuse your audience. <laughs> and and I think that like you, like and on gun control, I mean on gun control, you know, like you said, I, I think it's again foolishness because. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we all know why the Second Amendment, Second Amendment, was was put in place. You know, it's many reasons. You know, to to basically, in case a a, a a revolt happened, the people could defend themselves against the government. I mean, this is this is something that a lot of people don't even know. You know, and I mean, it, it, it's so it, it's 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 like you said. It's I think that it, when when the liberals get in there and start talking about magazines, and I mean, and, and that's foolishness. It's, it's foolishness mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. It, it, you know, you as an American have the right to arm yourself, and, and I think that mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, another thing that, that I think that, that's hurting us is the fact that I'll see people, you know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a very spiritual person, and I definitely believe in, in, in my God and, and Lord Jesus Christ, you know, but I think a lot of times we have been dumbed down by religion, you know, and, and we'll use this excuse, well, God is my protector. I mean, let, let's be real. You have to you have to arm yourselves. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean God had, helps Peter those a, who help themselves. Exactly. You know? Peter had a sword. Word. You know? And I mean, he did. And, you know, and, and, that's, and I think that's, that's just the issue, man, you know. But on these issues, conservatives are going to have to stick with their guns. And right now, we need to clean clean the Republican Party out because right now yeah. I think it's a bunch of hidden liberals in there. And that, that's just yeah. Thing. So I what, mean, what, do you, what do you think the solution is and to the problems as you see them in the U.S.? What do you think the well, solution, what you, solution is? Let's keep it on the gun control. Yeah, in terms of gun control. Of and, gun I mean, you talk control. about... Are you for it? Are you against it? What's, oh, your, what's I'm, against, your I'm against gun control, man. I mean, exactly. I control guns. That, that's insane, you know. I mean, uh, you you have the right to bear arms, man, and, and I don't think the government should tell you you need a a ten round magazine and lock it up in a cage. And I mean, it, they're basically disarming you while still trying to arm you. If you tell me I got to put my my weapon in a cage, well, somebody breaks inside my house, I got to go unlock the cage. I got to go do all that. That's foolishness. Mm-hmm. Why can't I have my my my, uh, my shotgun? sitting next to me behind my dresser where it's easily accessible and I can take care of business when somebody breaks in my house. You that's, know, because that's the thing. All right, listen, man, I appreciate you calling. It has been real. It has been awesome, um, and we appreciate your comments. We got another caller coming in. So okay, man. Thank you for calling in, bro, and you have a really good day. You know, keep Texas safe, and you have some fun, man. All right, man. Later. All right, we got another caller on the line here, I think. Hi, caller, you're live. What's your name? My name is Pianchi. I'm calling from the Midwest. How you doing? How Pretty you good. Doing, man? Actually, I'm calling from St. Louis. All right. Louis, yeah, but, you know, I agree like the other. Now, I'm a non-believer. I don't believe in, you know, the Bible or Jesus or anything like that. But I believe very strongly in the United States Constitution, and especially the Second Amendment. And, you know, one thing, the Second Amendment is two parts. Not only does it talk about the militia, but it also talks about the right to bear arms. And you just had two court cases, one in 2000, recent in 2010, I think one maybe in 2008, where the judges uh, said that that the right to bear arms is separate than to the militia. And I hear people, when they quote the Second Amendment, they say, well, we're not back in those times where we're, 
uh, worried about England coming over and taking over. No, that's not what it really says. So, uh, yeah, and this whole notion about the – I don't think – I'm very strongly for those who show a mental – Ability not to own guns, they have some sort of problem. They should not have the ability to have guns. If you got mm-hmm. a mental problem, if you have some sort of illness, mental illness, but uh, I don't see any restrictions that's needed on United States citizens owning guns if they can afford it. Mm-hmm. And do you think? Uh, okay, so you're you support gun gun ownership and you're against gun control, but do you think there's a a problem with the with the government in general in the U.S. today? Oh, absolutely. Government is totally out of control. You know, the Constitution, what, 26 pages. That that uh, The Constitution was designed to protect the citizens, protect the states and the citizens from the federal government. Mm-hmm. And anytime, wherever there is not a law, there's a right. But anytime you create a law, you've given up rights. Exactly. And sooner or later, you will find yourself pushed up in a corner and surrounded with a lot of exactly. people with fangs in their mouth. Well, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. I mean, to be fair, when a lot of people talk about the Constitution, they talk about two documents, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And the, he's right, the Bill of Rights, for the most part, is just a bunch of rights that are being given to you. And um, we consider them amendments to the Constitution. For those for those listeners who are, who are not familiar, because we have some international listeners, what exactly is the second minute, amendment and what is he talking about here? I'm going to read it for you real quick. It's very short. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's it. It's a very simple, straightforward piece of text. And, you know, I mean, it's your right. And, and when you pass laws, I mean, as as I said in my article on the thought page, SOT.net, if you haven't gone there, go ahead and read it. I say that. You know, and, and, and commentators from that time, um, the American founding father commentators, British commentators like Blackstone, basically said that the passing of, of legislation about game and hunting was a way to usurp the people's ability to keep and bear arms. And this registration and all of these gun control things are some that they basically make it absolutely totally impracticable. The Second Amendment. So yeah, so obviously. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Then when you have people saying, well, the government is not going to take your arm, not going to come into your house. But that's not true because they do it in a very, very sneaky way. Let me give you an example. When they come up with this notion of uh, no guns around schools. Yeah. All right. Now, suppose you got a house, a residence that's been there for before the school was built and they have guns. So you mean to tell me that you're going to take the guns from the people in that house that live across the school or on the other side of the block? Mm-hmm. That there's a sneaky way of the government coming in and imposing that you got to remove your guns. They're taking your guns yeah. away from you. Yeah, now, they declare these gun-free zones. You know, it's... absolutely. I mean, so that that is just another example. And I'm for open carry also. And mm-hmm. in this state, it is open carry. But when yeah. you do open carry, the police harass the hell out of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What's your name? Your name's Pianki, Yeah. Yes. Do you think that a large number of the, you know, a majority or a large number of people, like a million people in the U.S. carrying guns, do you think that is useful against government tyranny, basically? Do you think it would in some way help to prevent 
the government going too far or you know maybe putting people in FEMA camps as they talk about and stuff like that. Do you think it's useful for that? Well, yes, I do think it's useful for that. Matter of fact, there's a, a, a town in Georgia right north of uh, Atlanta called Kennesaw. And it's mandatory that each household have a gun in Kennesaw, Georgia, and today. Yeah. And you can look around the world. For instance, like Switzerland. Switzerland doesn't have a standing army. Every person in Switzerland has a gun, and they're required mm-hmm. to have ammunition and know how to use that gun. So, yes, uh is going to approach. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your comments, Pianki. Thank you for having this conversation. I think it's well needed. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously we're getting a few uh we're getting some we're getting some callers there on on, on this on this topic and at this point anyway, everybody is supportive. No. Apart from the first guy. Yeah. Uh most people are supportive of um the idea of of carrying carrying guns and really like our main point uh, or the point that we, the conclusion that we came to, when we looked at that issue is this issue is that it really is a non-issue, and it's yeah. been fabricated out of nothing. Uh, the, the gun, the gun control debate, is based on the faulty premise. As I mentioned in the introduction to the show, it only ever comes up whenever we've got these mass shootings. Mm-hmm. Now we looked last week at some of these mass shootings, and they they stand out. From the regular background mm-hmm. kind of gun violence, in in a big way. Yeah, and they've got a lot of things in common. Well, absolutely, you got to look at it from the point of view of like like we mentioned last week. There was something like in the last sixteen years or something like there's been something along the lines of sixty five shootings in schools, uh, and maybe six or seven of those, if you charted on them on a graph in terms of number of people shot, there would be six or seven of them that stand way out. Yeah, compared to the normal, which is one or two people shot. There's six or seven that jump way up to you know twenty two thirty people shot and stuff, and it's those shootings that ignite this gun control, control debate. debate. Yeah. When and and overall in the U.S. on average, I don't know the figure something somewhere between ten, eleven, twelve thousand homicides, people being killed, a homicide uh, every year in the U.S. And obviously these mass shootings contribute a tiny number to that number of people. So, but so so it's but it's represented as being like the whole when people well, say, exactly so when so, people say school shooting they leave it up to you to imagine that yeah. it was twenty people each time but actually yeah. it wasn't so. no exactly yeah and and it's so what about the other ten you know if it's if it's twelve thousand every year what about the other eleven thousand nine hundred and fifty do people not mind that that number of people have been shot one at a time. Every year in the U.S., they only care about the 50 people last year, for example, 50 some people who were killed in a mass shooting. Is that is that the is that an, is that the only time it becomes an issue? I mean, obviously, we're talking here about some other problem in terms of maybe a culture of violence yeah. or yeah. why so many people are, are are killed, not just shot with guns, but are killed in any way. Why is there so much violence in the U.S. compared to other countries? And is that even true? I mean, the U.S. is held up. Uh, around the world, as an example of 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 a gun, uh, a culture of violence and a, a gun culture that has become a problem. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are shootings in other countries, but the U.S. always seems to stand out and it's held up as a problem. So uh, that's something maybe we we should discuss a little bit: is the idea of there is there a culture of violence in the U.S.? Is is the U.S. society a violent society? Is it? And why the most important thing that I think is. 
is it's apparent it's apparent that it is a culture of violence. I'm a closer. It's apparent that it is a culture of violence in the U.S. I mean, that was the argument that I made in the article. I think I was, I think I, I think I gave sufficient evidence. I mean, there's plenty of evidence, you know, that that violence is ubiquitous in American creative expression, which is like a sign of saying, hey, why are people so identified with violence? Why do they want to produce violent images, and why do they want to consume them? And it can't really be explained as, oh, that's just pushed on them by the government or propaganda because it's not entirely. They do do that, of course. Yes, they do. But why do people accept it so readily? Because people really delight in violence. And so there is a culture of violence in America. And we're seeing, we're reaping the benefits now of the violent seeds that have been sown over the last, you know, since uh, the early 1900s, since the Industrial Revolution, where people were turned into to economic units for production and marginalized by society, the the creation of basically people to work on the assembly line, mm-hmm. and very, and most importantly, the fact that all those people that was promoted for them to breed as much as possible, they wanted to create more workers to work in the factories, and now they're replacing them with machines. So you have massive people being laid off, no longer having jobs, no longer being able to feed themselves. And of course, you're reaping the collective and like kind of a collective unconscious. I don't know if I really want to say that exactly, but I want to say it's kind of like the only way to express it is that there is a there is a genetic uh, hatred in people uh, from the oppression of their forefathers, you know, um, that manifests in them. I mean, that's the only way I can really kind of explain it. I'm not sure mm-hmm. that I'm saying that that's exactly scientifically what I'm saying is happening. I'm saying that it appears that. That people remember, I mean, and you see that kind of stuff happening in like Jewish populations as well. They they do seem to have this this memory of the violence done to them by the German people. Mm-hmm. And like there was a there was a documentary done where they took a bunch of Jewish school children to to do a, a tour of the the campsites in uh, the, the various concentration campsites. And um, you could see in these kids, there was young kids' faces that there was a level of emotion that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I mean, they were—they really felt it in a way that was, was surprising, in my opinion. The, the emotion, the depth of the emotion that they felt for it, and so you can see in the behavior of Israel. Sometimes you can almost kind of understand if they do have—they uh, do have a very—and and a lot of bad things were done to them. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't escape it. I mean, there's. There's people who go around talking about, you know, Holocaust this and Holocaust that and and stuff like that. But I mean, the Jewish people suffered a Not lot, really. and that and that comes through in in some kind of genetic or collective subconscious of the people, and it makes them want to 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 well, know, think never again of, type of thing. Yeah, and it's the same. In the, you have to see the way that it transfers to the U.S. because, you know, abuses that you the way that you abuse people creates in them a desire for justice and when they can't get it it just starts to boil over and boil over in other ways yeah. in other ways and for a lot of people who are you know intrinsically good souled people you know it doesn't manifest in real violent violence it's just anger maybe road rage or something like that comes out every once in a while or maybe they you know get in fist fights or they do some other kind of like violent activity or they start doing violent video games or they start creating violent images, which then are then pass. It's like them passing on the violence from a previous generation into the next, which then consumes it, and it's almost like you know, it's almost like a family feud type of thing where they're trying to get reprisals for things that have happened not only to them in their life, which happens in everyone's life, 
but the lives of the previous people, you know, their, their how their father, they see their father being, you're working in the factory every single day, he comes home, he's he's just completely slaughtered from work and he just drinks himself into a stupor and, and maybe he's a little bit abusive or something like that. And, and they look at that situation like, you know, why is he like this? And they start to hate society because they start to blame him for their situation and society is in a certain sense to blame for it, obviously. And that creates in them anger, you know, they're angry. People are angry. It is a culture of violence, you know. That's that's basically what I'm saying. That's all I have to say really, huh? Yeah, I mean But that um I mean the expression of that anger yeah. <clears throat> as a result of social injustice, let's say. Yeah. Uh it seems that the government is I I don't know if they're directly aware of it and, and, and take action to consciously take action to, to deal with it and to to, to keep it uh, under wraps, but it seems to me that any kind of sense of uh, anger among a large section of the population as a result of social injustice gets kind of um, redirected or diverted into, you know, one thing that I was thinking of was that uh, the popularity of, of violent movies and stuff, it's a way for people to kind of have a release mm-hmm. in the sense of seeing the injustice that they, that they sense in their own lives, they see it played out on movie screens with a good guy always ending up beating the bad guy. You know, the, the good guy might initially in the movie suffer some kind of injustice and ultimately seeks his revenge. And um, Well, the real proof of a model of some kind of like human behavior is to see that it's scalable across human experience, right? So, I mean, the question is, is you see a lot of people that they create, I guess, what you could call like an, an, an escape valve, for their stuff, and that is the same in, in sort of like cultures of violence and cultures of, of of sexual perversion and things like that. That they create uh, situations that they can then work things out. That's just a natural thing. It doesn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is it's like a crutch. It, it helps them walk, but it never actually cures the disease in them, which is the injustice and the abuse that they have received. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that, in a sort of sense, is the validation of this model that that's what's going on in people's minds. Yeah, so I mean, if we talk about social injustice um, in the U.S., I mean, there's a lot of people uh, in the U.S. on on food stamps, yeah. which for people who don't yeah, know what I think that it's, means it's hitting something like 50 million people now. I, I forgot the point that I wanted to make. Can I make it real quick? No, I thought you were finished. Go ahead. Oh yeah. So what you were saying is whether or not they kind of know about this and they kind of control the situation and stuff like that. And I, I use uh, sometimes this this uh, analogy of a person who tortures a dog. You know, they tie him up to the tree and then torture him, and then maybe they bring someone over and let the dog attack him. You know, I use that kind of as an example of how uh, the psychopathic elite are treating the people of the world. They, But you have to remember that the beginning of that is a wherewithal in their minds to tie the dog up first. And that's what they do to the society. They tie us up like dogs and then poke and torture us. It's not just mind, and it's just it's an intrinsic strategy in themselves. They want to protect themselves, so that's why a lot. That's why they make these laws. They're trying to protect themselves so that they can then do what they want to do. They want to cause suffering. They want to do whatever it is that they want to do. Who knows? I mean, who knows in the end what goes on in the mind of a psychopath? I, sometimes I really don't know or understand, you know, why they they do the things that they do. Um, only I know that they do them, um, and but I don't think that it's like a, a massive conspiracy. Uh, sorry, I don't think that it's a massive conspiracy, you know, against the people. I think that it's just a natural way of doing things. I mean, they 
It's just consistent self-interest and consistent sadism and a mean spirit that causes them or, you know, gets them to do these things. You know, they're just consistent in the way they do them. So it looks like a gigantic conspiracy. It looks like they're planning everything, but actually they're not. They're just, they're just, they're just evil, man. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> if you think about uh, it's good to we're talking about this now. The social injustice that mm. is underpinning um, violence and crime, not just in the U.S. but across Western civilization. Can I just in- interject there? Just I, w- I just want to give out the number just in case anybody else wants to call. Yeah, in. let's do that. The, the guest we, sh- we should have done this before. The guest call in number is from the U.S. at seven one eight five zero eight nine four nine nine. Uh, if you want to, it's on the website and stuff. If you want to call internationally, you just put a zero zero one before that. Uh, so go ahead. Yeah, I think people people feel powerless. You know, something like Sandy Hook happens, and and there's just what can we do? What are our options? And helped by uh, the media, of course, it falls into well, I can either arm myself. Or I can rely on the authorities to protect me. Mm-hmm. Most will take option B. Of course, some will take option A. <coughs> but the feeling of powerlessness that they can't really do anything about it <coughs> is, uh, I think, is expressed in media. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about movies, mm-hmm. violent video games, mm-hmm. um, where that enraging sense of injustice can be at least vicariously Mm-hmm. Dealt with mm-hmm. by feeling like you can identify with the guy in the movie who who, who does get social justice mm-hmm. yeah. at the end, you know. Yeah, that's right. that's and the, and that is handed to Americans and people in the West in general. In 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 spades, they can have as much of that as they want, but you're never gonna. The message coming through is forget about real social justice. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can feel like you can get, and, and that feeling. I think part of that is the sense of security that comes with owning a firearm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, certainly. I mean, I mean, social injustice leads to uh, our feeling that you know that your life isn't what it could be. Uh, really, when you say when people are being uh, subjected to some kind of injustice, you know, broadly in society where they don't have, don't feel they have, uh, you know opportunities to improve themselves to do what they want to do you know the education system fails them there's only crappy low-end jobs available and stuff ultimately what that all conveys or how that's felt by people is essentially a sense of powerlessness Mm -hmm. so i mean you can understand how people particularly in in, in very poor areas and stuff would automatically say well you know the system's stacked against me it's screwing me over basically i'm going to get a gun so i can that'll certainly having a gun will help me to feel more powerful and it'll also help me to get some stuff that 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 otherwise is not available yeah. to me. That is being denied me. You know, uh, C- conspiracy or no, I I think we can safely say that when gun control is being pushed, at least maybe not literally, but it's being pushed in the sense that it's getting people revved up well, because I mean, they know full well it's an emotional hot button topic. When it's being talked about like that, you know they're really targeting the working class people because they're the ones who are uh they're they're the ones who w- will be arming themselves to protect themselves because they know that they can't rely on the police mm-hmm. and uh, the justice system to protect them yeah well that also creates you know for the middle class 
that the police do kind of protect. You know, yeah. in, in more wealthy kind of suburbs and stuff, the police are always there, and they're you know, as soon as you call nine one one, five minutes later they're there. Yeah, because so you're those, white, rich, and middle class. Yeah, those you know, those people those people get the get the security, uh, but their sense of insecurity and their sense of needing the authorities to provide security for them is enhanced by this kind of underclass who are driven to be the criminals. Well, you and to some extent, prey on the middle class, and the middle class then throws throws the middle class into the arms of government. Uh, it, I mean, and it keeps it all within amongst the people. It's divide, we keep saying it's kind of divide and conquer. It keeps yeah. keeps it within the problem defined as being within society itself. While we, your overlords, sit in our ivory towers mm-hmm. and are only too willing to enact laws or whatever is necessary to protect you, the people. And they keep the debate at that level and keep people distracted, keep people fighting among themselves right. when the ultimate cause of all social ills today in the world and in, pretty much in the world and in every country is corrupt government and the corrupt and unjust laws that they pass that basically seek to, one extent or another, screw over the people. Well, look at the mechanism of corruption, right? Because when you say corrupt government, it's like, what do you mean? And like... um I saw this Piers Morgan. He talking to Jesse Ventura, and I love Jesse Ventura. I was I, I was a fan when he was a wrestler. Um, I always have much respect for the man, and he does kind of. He I doesn't like always. Jesse too. I mean, I just I just like him. You know, he's yeah. the type of guy that you just want to hang out with. He reminds me of a lot of the buddies I used to have back in the day. You know, the older guys were kind of like you know, mentoring me when I was in when I was in college. They were doing their re-education. And, um, you know, he's talking to Piers Morgan, he's in, and Piers, I think, asks him some sort of question along the lines of, you know, what's the problem? And um, the problem is all the backsheesh, all the backroom dealing, all the bribery that's going on in government. It's money. It's the corruption of money. It's the people that are that are they're, they're being bought off against their own people by, you know, rapacious corporations, mm-hmm. and special interest lobbies and all this different type of stuff. Uh, by the military industrial complex or whatever you want to call it. I mean, just people who want to make money. It's greed, you know. And I'm one of those types of people that, that um, having been a person that has in my life and in my youth committed plenty of sins, I can forgive I almost that. all of them. I can forgive almost every sin. I can forgive pride. I can forgive wrath, even if it's against me. I can forgive gluttony, sloth. I can forgive lust. But the one sin I cannot forgive is greed. Because greed is the is one of the all of those sins are sins against yourself. All right, you know if you go on the path of lust, it's a sin against yourself. If you go on the path of gluttony, it's a sin against yourself. You're hurting yourself. Pride, you're you're hurting yourself. Or you're cutting off other people. All right, greed is as far as I know, it's the only sin, or maybe just one of the few sins, because the only other one is like envy. I think. Oh, anyway, I got a most. But greed is the one that takes from others in order to it, for it to be greed. It takes from others and restricts them from possessing that which you possess. Mm-hmm. And so greed is a really terrible sin. And uh, if you look back into history, like with Lycurgus and Sparta, you know, and a lot of people saw like 300 and this is Sparta and, you know, kicking some ass. I really like that movie. But the Spartan way, uh, what Lycurgus did, who was, you know, the sort of creator of what we know of as Sparta and, and now in these days was... He, what, the first thing he did was to get rid of wealth. 
he got rid of all gold and silver and he made all of the coins brittle iron or something or you know brittle metal that couldn't even be resold to be smelted into weapons because they they quenched it in vinegar so he just this is what this is the script that you use to to do your business and the next thing he did of course is he instituted lots of educational reforms mostly in the form of a kind of a, a mili- everyone all the men were part of a militia kind of a military um, um education system Maybe I'm not suggesting that for now, but I'm saying that he saw even at that time that the number one corruptor was wealth. And for 500 years, some people, it's different quotes of how long they lasted. Sparta remained like one of the the military power in the Hellenistic world. It was respected by most people, um, certainly militarily. If they came into your, your city state and said, you guys need to stop fighting or we're going to come in, everyone said, whoa, shit, okay, no, no, Sparta, don't come and attack us. And what ended up bringing Sparta down, what what brought them down was that they forgot about that rule that he had put in. They said, oh, we don't need that law anymore. And they reintroduced the concept of wealth. They started to allow people to have gold and silver and to trade with gold and silver and tank. Gold, uh, wealth is, is a very corrupting influence, especially in government, which is why even in the Constitution it says that Senators are not allowed to take bribes. You know that was you're not bribery is a very serious problem. And Jesse Ventura was talking about when he was talking about like the Democrats and the Republican kind of thing. That the real problem in government, the the source of the corruption. Even if you want to talk about you know there's all these stories of them participating in pedophile rings. There's all these other kind of stories of the sex scandals and stuff like that. The real problem in politics. Is money. The thing is, is that campaign contributions, they call them, it's just changing the words, it's a bribe. Mm-hmm. That's what a campaign contribution is. Lobbying. Lobbyists is exactly the same, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's completely stacked against the, the average, you know, Absolutely. average citizen. And uh, what's pretty amazing is that they've, they've, able, they've been able to enrich themselves so yep. much. And still maintain some semblance of of social cohesion and not have people. Can I can I make one thing? I remember reading a story about Donald Rumsfeld. Oh, not him. Doing now. This is a man that is in public office in the United States of America, where lots of people are really dirt ass poor. And this man, through some company that he was part of the board of, made a deal that would benefit him to the tune of like thirty five million dollars. There are people in America who will never in their entire life make that much money. That's an insulting sum of money for someone in office to be receiving. It's just – and this is the kind of money we're talking about. I just wanted to point mm-hmm. that out, that when you're saying they're making money, it's like they're not making 500000 They're not making a million. They're making tens of millions yeah. of dollars on these backroom deals. And it's not just the, the politicians, obviously. It's the, no. um, it's, it's the corporate heads as well. Right. I mean there's, there's corporate – CEOs who are making literally 1,000 times the amount of money for the same, supposedly the same amount of time that they put in in a working week, 1,000 times the salary of the guy working on the shop floor down below them. I mean, that by any stretch of the imagination is is obscene. Obscene. It's obscene. Well, and what's amazing is that they that they've been able to uh, to to do that, get away with it, and like I said, maintain the integrity of of society and, and keep people from from revolting against such revolting practices. And like I mean, here's an example. There's an example. Um, this is a pretty uh, a pretty relevant one from just a few days ago, 
when Obama was inaugurated, yeah. it was some kind of a post or pre-inaugural commentary by some I think sen- senator. I think senator person. gave a speech prior to the actual swearing in yeah. at the inauguration. Yeah, um, and it, it was basically about the transition of power. Just have a listen to what he said. Okay. The late Alex Haley, the author of Roots, lived his life by these six words, find the good and praise it. Today we praise the American tradition of transferring or reaffirming immense power in the inauguration of the President of the United States. We do this in a peaceful, orderly way. There is no mob. No coup, no insurrection. This is a moment when millions stop and watch. A moment most of us always will remember. It is a moment that is our most conspicuous and enduring symbol of the American democracy. How remarkable that this has survived for so long in such a complex country when so much power is at stake, this freedom to vote for our leaders and the restraint to respect the results. There's only one word you need to change in that to make it true. What? Where he said how remarkable it is that this has survived for so long in such a complex how, country. How disturbing. Change co- complex to corrupt. Yeah. And and that's what's remarkable. I mean, it is remarkable when he talks about no coups. I mean, it's almost it's pretty subtle. I don't know if I'm reading too much into that, but he says no coup, no insurrection, no mob. Well, he's talking about what he's afraid of. I mean, what, what yeah. they're afraid of is is an insurrection. Such a know? thing might happen. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they may also be kind of like suggesting it in a certain sense. I mean, you have to you have to look at the government from. You got to take off the movie glasses when you look at the government because people get their experience of how the government works from watching like Jason Bourne and all of these different movies about like the CIA and they're kind of all powerful. With then they kind of look like they make themselves out to be all powerful, but it's a complete fantasy. All right, they're not that. They're not cohesive. It's not that there's a big giant conspiracy in the government. They don't all get together and meet except in Congress, but then they don't agree on anything. They don't get together in some back room, all of them together, and they're not all in on it. You know, They're right. all out for their own personal self-interest. And there's groups of money men who come in, these lobbyists that come in, that kind of steer them in the right direction by leading them on with you know promises of prostitutes and cash. And that is what gets things done in politics today. I mean, so these guys, so when we, when we talk about like the government wants this or the government wants that, you got to take that with the understanding of, one part of the government probably wants that, another part does not, you know? And like I say in the article, that the, the reason they pass gun legislation laws, the reason why they pass any laws, actually, because they're psychopaths. They don't want to protect people. The reason they do it is to protect themselves from each other because they, they know that they they come together in kind of packs every once in a while. They get together and group together for, for mutual benefit, mutual rapaciousness. But they're always afraid that one of them is going to turn on them. Mm. And what they're really afraid throughout history is what's been shown in every single revolution is a government becomes complacent and then they start to abuse even their own kind, even their own psychopaths in power because they're just not the right kind of psychopath for them. Their fixation is 
you know, they want to go off and molest little children. Well, these guys just want to like rape the environment, you know. So they they have a war. Oh, we're gonna have a war, and 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 they do it in the back rooms with like if you ever see a politician getting accused of sexual misconduct, uh, financial misconduct, or suicide, then you know that it's that neither. was that was that was an inner conflict among the psychopaths, right? Yeah. And you know, he's if been, they couldn't get them on sex, out. if they couldn't get them on sex or they couldn't get them on money, then they just, you know, got them to suicide. suicide. They suicided them out, right? They they always try the first one because it's the easiest because people like with the whole Bill Clinton thing, you yeah. know, all these people were like, he lied in court. He lied. I said, yeah, he lied about getting a blowjob. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm not really seeing the impeachable offense here. Of all the evil things that Bill Clinton did, his entire you know, administration of all the crap, well, all the bombing, all the all the let, stupid laws that he passed into. That into the, a lot of uh, puritanical Americans as a crime. Yeah, but that's not a crime, you know. Like I say, I can forgive any sin except greed. Um, and, and when you see that in people, that's an interfaction outcome you know this you know like when they did it to trafficant and i always loved trafficant beam me up i love that guy you know he was a, he was a senator or a yeah. representative or something anyway and they they got him on taking campaign bribes and then he said as they were about to kick him out he said but you guys all do it too <laughs> <laughs> you know as him out. you know when you see that that's what it is and then what happens is when the government the the, the faction that is in charge gets so entrenched that even the, the the peripheral psychopaths, because they're a perfect mirror of any society, they have minorities even within themselves, can't get in and get their yayas, right? And the people, of course, are naturally being abused left, right, and center because that's what psychopaths do. They can't help it. You know, they get put in charge of an economy. They're going to run it into the ground. They get put in charge of a military. They're going to go out and create atrocities. It's just their way. So the people get really pissed, and then the psychopathic elite on the fringe says – Damn it, we want to be the ones, you know, raping and pillaging here. So what they do is they see the people are ready to rebel and then they start funneling them weapons and a couple of them step down and they 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 turn I I'm I I defend the people and I've always believed in whatever it is that you believe in, you know. I mean, they yeah. almost practically say that. Whatever you guys believe in, I believe in it too. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, this charismatic leader comes out of nowhere. Yeah. They raise the people up, get them in open rebellion. I mean, this is the, the Russian revolution, this is the Chinese revolution, all the same, you know, all the the French revolution for certain. You just look at what happens right after the revolution and then you can tell who was behind it you know yeah so I mean, uh, on that note then that's obviously something that would repeat itself in the eventuality of a u.s revolution because we've had yeah, a couple of callers saying people they're don't not. learn from history they don't learn from history you know mm. i mean because i mean running a revolution is a really tough job to be quite honest i mean if you don't have money and access to guns and and you aren't a bit psychopathic about it. It's just it's very difficult for a natural people's rebellion to raise up. I think it's possible for sure. I just think that it takes too long, and one of these opportunistic, pathological people come in, take it, steer it off course because it serves their purpose, you know. And people don't learn about this. I don't know if there's an easy way out of it, you know. I mean, well, this has been my my beef. Not a big beef, but it's a beef nonetheless. With um, a lot of people in their in their response to this gun control phony debate because it's based on the false premise their response is well it's for the eventuality of rising up against a tyrannical government mm -hmm. and they specify we live in such a time right now that's great they can see that cool. Okay, cool so they get most worked up right now when it comes to their guns being taken away 
But over the last 10 years, especially since 9-11, everything has been stripped one by one by one. I mean, George Bush and the illegal wiretapping, hmm. uh, they just made it legal instead. They was never, oh, we're going to deal with this. Torture. Obama's like, oh, yeah, I'll come in and we'll sort this out. Still torturing people. Hmm. And it's accepted. Yep. Where is the revolutionary spirit when it comes to all the other inalienable <coughs> rights, uh, inviolable rights, which have been violated left, right, and center? Well, that just, that, just, that just shows that people are not <coughs> really prepared or ready for whatever reason. And, you know, there's probably some obvious reasons why they're not ready for a revolution. I mean, the, the situation has been controlled. I mean, if there's one thing, if there is a government and maybe even a secret government or whatever you want to call it in the U.S. that's kind of controlling, trying to, uh, that they're engaged in population control. If there's one thing that they're, that they're concerned about, that they're going to put a lot of their energy into, it's making sure that a rabble, a mob, does not rise up against and them ki- and kick them out. I mean, that, that surely that would be something if they have any planning ability at all, they would be, I mean, and if they have any self-reflective ability to realize, listen, we're doing some pretty nasty stuff here. We're enriching ourselves. We're passing all sorts of corrupt laws, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and these are directly impacting in a very negative way a lot of people. What about if those people? What if those people kind of figure that out? What, I mean, do, do we want to take any kind of uh, action to, you know, head that off at the pass? How should we? How should we? How should we deal with this situation? You know, mm. um, and you know, obviously we can get into like all the all the. The techniques or the the ideas of of how populations are controlled and um, yeah. Well, another thing I'm asking myself is, in terms of revolution in the U.S., uh, late 2011 and into 2012, there was a pretty widespread, and I was surprised by how widespread it was. Yeah. Protest movement across major cities all over the country. And the world, it spread. I mean, it's this, this is the Occupy Wall Street movement I'm talking about. Yeah. Of course, it went way beyond Wall Street, but I'm glad they called it that because they recognized, you know, the core, the, at least the symbolic core of, of social injustice is in it's the money. financial system, yeah. money. Well, well uh, you have this protest movement, and practically overnight, they did have to go in a few times, but there was one night in particular I think it was some sometime around March, April 2012, mm. where the Obama administration, I, they must have coordinated because police units all over the country went in simultaneously and booted everyone out of there. People Can't. have no guile in the world. You know, they really are very naive. You got to understand that the police spend a lot of time and we spend a lot of money training them to do exactly what they did, which is... I mean, they have radios, they have communication, they have huge databases. We help to build them up. We help to teach them how to use it. They record every single thing that they do and share it with the next generation of police officers. They do this every day. You don't deal with the police every day. They deal with the types of people that you are, which is those people who are doing what the government doesn't like, whether it's crime or whether it's protesting. So, yes, obviously the police did this. I mean, you saw the same kind of – I mean, it wasn't quite as bad as – you remember Jacques, Dr. Zhivago, where the people did that peaceful demonstration and all their signs said was freedom and bread, you know? Yeah. And they're marching down the street and they march and they get down into this place where it's like a bottleneck for the group. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of police cavalry there with swords. 
and they just go and cut them all down. And this, I think this is a fairly good representation of what was happening at the time in Russia. Mm. And here we have the the same kind of idea happening in the U.S. of a bunch of people who are thinking that, oh, we can just protest and no one's going to do anything about it. Mm. And this was the police and the government's way of saying, no, you can't. Right. And now, you know, people, but because people are guileless, they have no cunning and artifice, you know, they they don't think that someone would want to stop them from being reasonable because they don't think that unreasonable people exist. But the government is populated by unreasonable pathocrats, by unreasonable psychopaths. That's just the way that it works. And those people are filled to the brim with guile. They are cunning and they will they well, one are, one of the one of the cunning ways that they that they get police <laughs> police officers who might otherwise be, you know, at least conflicted about whether or not they should beat the heads of ordinary people who are just protesting for what could be construed as legitimate. Uh, some of them were. Yeah, some of them were. But one of the things that they do, and they do it repeatedly, every time there's a demonstration anywhere, a major demonstration anywhere in Western in Western civilization or in Western countries, is that they have covert protesters, basically, you know, black, the black bloc, basically, policemen or people hired by the police or policemen themselves who go in dressed as, dressed as protesters, go in and, and, and right. wreak havoc around the place. And therefore, all the rest of the police say, well, look, we're dealing with a kind of at least an element among these protesters that are just basically, they're just right. hooligans. They're just There's violent hooligans. This. Uh, There's a term from way back in the Union days. And we oh. have actually in our library, there is a, a book from from the early 1900s. And it says uh, the title of it is the agent Produ- provocateurs. Yeah, agent provocateurs uh, within the the union movement. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how they were they were you know getting union protests and strikes, being able to bust them up was by yeah. sending agent provocateurs into their midst to start doing something illegal. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's essentially their you first can, strategy. Yeah, you can yeah. you can turn the police against the legitimate prote- protesters who aren't doing anything wrong. You can turn the police against it's, all the protesters by having some protesters that you hire it's, go in and attack the police. The it's police a false are flag operation. Police are, yeah, well, yeah, in essence. In know, essence. And, and, it's, and it's the first thing they think of right. in terms of dealing with people trying to assert their, their rights and even trying to expose the truth. The first thing they do is... Like you just said, it's a false flag operation. But I'm sorry, I keep sipping my my tea in front of the mic. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry about that. It's probably driving it's, people nuts. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's against internet radio etiquette. It's, it's against the law. I'm gonna pass a law on that one. <laughs> we need we need tea control. Yeah, <laughs> I need more tea control. Yeah. Um. So are we going to, in some way, you know, sum up? And come to some kind of pithy, incisive conclusion, take-home message that people can just, you know, instantly understand what the obvious answer is to this whole gun control debate. Is that asking too much? Yeah, well, I mean... I think it is. I mean... It could be. People need to... um, Obviously need to start thinking, but I think that what we need is for people to just start honestly saying what they think. I mean, because you can't hope for more than that. The problem is that people are afraid to say what they think you know they're afraid to talk against the crowd um they're afraid to say something that might not be accepted and i think that you would be surprised the the repercussions if people just you know like people were calling in here telling us what they think about the gun control issue i mean that kind of stuff just 
you know, call into radio shows and, 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 and say what you think right on the internet. Say what you think. Because that's all you can do in, in a certain sense. You know, trying to get violent with things is really not a productive way to do things. You know, trying to, to start a revolution or starting to, with this, this revolutionary rhetoric is really, it's really naive. Well, it was, it was, it was, it's something for another time that worked. At another time, back at another in history, time but in today, history. it does not work. No, and it's not a good idea. And and I always say, you know, I mean, it's easier well, to take a government that exists and and work to fix it. That's the best hope you got. Than to try to tear it down and put something because that has always also led to a mm-hmm. very bad situation where what you replace is usually worse than what you took down. Yeah, I and mean, if if there's going to be a revolution today, that's uh, appropriate for the times that people live in. Then it it can't be like a revolution of the past because in the no. past hundreds or thousands of years ago, the grievances were right. and, and the, the the injustices were pretty pretty clear, right. uh, and people could just go ahead have a revolution and get rid of the injustice and put it in right. place. And and there was nothing covert about it. But today, a large part, as far as I'm concerned, a large part of the main way in which people are enslaved and social injustice is is kind of is allowed to pass or gets to pass unnoticed and people accept it is through uh is through the control of information and the dumbing down and the manipulation the emotional manipulation of people and preventing people from really uh getting having access to the truth of the situation so today the kind of revolution that is the most appropriate for the the, the problems it's a revolution, it's of, a the revolution mind. of the mind, basically. I mean, you've got to yeah. remember that the first them. law of war is to use a weapon that your enemy fears. And from what the government does, the massive propaganda campaign that it has, what does it fear? It fears people with opinions. It doesn't fear gun control. I mean, this whole the gun control thing is not to ban guns. They don't want to take them away from you. They just want to legislate them. That's just about pretext. That's just about you know. That's about irritating them. the hell it's out of you. Irritating people. That's and about driving a wedge between them. Mm-hmm. What the government fears is people with opinions with the courage to speak them. And to sound up. For That's. Them. All they're afraid of. I mean, you don't even have to go out into the street. If if all you can do is say aloud to the TV, that's some bullshit, I don't believe you, this is how it happened, that's better than nothing. Yeah. Just have an opinion. Well, it's not even just opinions, it. but it's, you know, people. the government fears people with some semblance of the truth or at least a little idea right. of of what what to lie and what the truth is, you know, yeah. that they can see through yeah. the bullshit. They don't want informed opinion. Well, exactly, no. informed yeah. opinion. And they don't well, want people to standing up and talking right. to each other. Yeah, they don't want people talking to each other about these things that yeah. they've discovered and spreading this information because they know That's that that all will you ultimately... Have to do. That will create a revolution of some sort, but that it has to create begin. a revolution of the mind. That's yeah. it, just telling people, look, I don't believe what's going on and I think that they can do better. That's all you have to – just saying that is a good start because there are a lot of people who aren't even saying that. Yeah. And talking about an armed revolution, it's just – it's just it's a, I say hyperbole. Mm-hmm. My mom is always okay. correcting me that it's hyperbole. Hyperbole. It's hyperbole. <laughs> it's just hyperbole talking about that. I mean it's dangerous hyperbole. It's going to some, – somebody who's really mentally not there is going to actually take that kind of stuff seriously and, and get himself and a lot yeah. of people killed. A very dangerous situation, or it's kind of and unnecessary, and it's monopolizing opinion. the whole idea of revolution and doing something against the government by people and in such a way that most people are like, I don't want to, I don't want to have anything to do with that. You know what I mean? So right. they say, well, they're taking care of the revolution. I'm just going to go back, but they don't realize that that's the the wrong way to go about the revolution. Those people are basically. 
they're distractions and maybe they, maybe they're conscious in, in what they're doing. They're, they're there to d- distract the real... Remember that when the Nazis took over, some of the first people that they locked up were the vocal people who spoke out against them because that's what they were afraid of. Mm-hmm. That's, that's who they go after because it's universal. They're always afraid of the people who speak their minds and have the courage to do so. Well, have we done this topic to death? Um, I don't think we even covered one one hundredth of this topic at this point. No. Yeah, you can see, you get an idea of how complex this issue is. And when you hear Piers Morgan or other mainstream commentators... Yeah, we didn't even get to talk about this guy. Every time I hear that man talk, <laughs> I feel like a demonic entity has mounted the left side of my head and is trying to insert some sort of sinister seed ejected from the sphincter of his neocortex <laughs> into my mind. I hate that guy so much. Oh my God, I can't stand listening to him. And we didn't even get to talk about him. So turn off your TV and tune in to Soft Talk Radio next week where we'll be... Talking and talking about the real issues. Yeah, we will. Probably not this topic again. But we can... Neil just started to sum up there, more or less, but didn't finish by saying that when you hear people on TV and the TV news pundits talking about um, the gun control debate on who's for, who's against, just understand that it's a distraction <clears throat> that you can kind of pretty much ignore. There's nothing wrong with having guns in a, in a society, but there is a problem with a society where there's a high level of crime, and maybe people need to look at the underlying uh, reasons for the injustice within their society and, and what the source of those injustices are. And, and direct your energy and your attention and you feel like protesting, you feel like revolting or whatever in your own particular way, uh, go ahead and uh, direct it at the source of the problem, which is ultimately corrupt government. It's, it's a kind of a no-brainer. And don't, be, don't allow the mainstream media and your politicians and your whoever to, to force you into this kind of like you know, black and white thinking and that it's basically a, a problem among American, Amer- the American people or American society because that's not the root of the problem. The root of the problem is psychopaths in power and the fact that we, as a population of, of the planet, have allowed these psychopaths to basically control us for what's going on for centuries at this stage. Yep, and it has wreaked havoc basically on human society and the potential for human society to to, to be something. And just remember one thing: it was Miyamoto Musashi who said, "It is false to die with your sword undrawn." So if you've got an opinion, man, speak it. Don't uh, don't leave that sword sheathed. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there for this week. Um, thanks everyone for calling in and for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks yeah, thanks J- for coming in, Jason. Jason, uh, yeah. Jesus if you for, haven't for, checked out his article yet, Jason wrote an article. It's currently on the South Page. Okay, we have one more caller, and we have time to take it this time. So how, how, how much more time do we have? We have we have enough time to take it. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. And I think I know this one, so this is, might be interesting. Hello, away with the fairies. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you hear me? I can indeed, Patrick. Uh, good, I'll, I'll, it, I'll, it, I'll, it is indeed. Be, how are you doing? Good evening, Patrick. Welcome. Good evening. You, I, I, you I was hoping to feel you. Huh? Like, what? Sorry, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Pat. Go oh, on. You're, oh, you're... 
Are you addressing me, young man? <laughs> no, you're cloning you're someone else. Oh, yeah, okay. You've, now, you've got 59 minutes left there, mate. I and, know, and, yeah. And I know good, that, evening, yeah. Ni- good evening, Niall. Good evening, Pat. Thanks for joining uh, us. Uh, yeah, I, you, you were touching on a subject then. You just said, like, you, you, you know, the subject hasn't even been touched upon yet. But, but where, <coughs> you were, where you were touching on it and, and where, you really, where we really need to go with it is uh, the, 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 the rev- real revolution is in the mind and the evolution of the mind. And, and education yeah. is an educational revolution, which, which is actually needed now and not someone like Alex Jones. I mean, can you imagine Alex Jones without, without his show and how, how he is at home, that man? He, he, he's a psychopath, man. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the evolution of the mind and education is what we need. And, and well, that's the, how, do we, how do we address that? Because that's where we really need to go. I mean, I can just see Alex yeah. Jones at home. No, I don't want to think about Alex Jones at home, but... Uh, <laughs> his wife, if you don't get into the kitchen, 1776, commence again! <laughs> Everything. Well, I've got a toaster. Yeah. Hang on, Patrick. I think we actually have a call here. You just stay on the line. We have a call here from Alex Jones. Oh. He, he, he wants to tell you. I'm here to tell you. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. <laughs> Yeah, right. Sorry about that, Patrick. Alex just Whoa. broke in. Uh, did we just lose Alex? Yep. I think he lost himself. Uh, death by misadventure. But uh, it, it, w- it would be a, a great massacre by misadventure uh, if anyone actually follows a lunatic such as him, really. I mean, you know, let's just grab guns and go and shoot the guy. You know, well, what is yeah. that? I mean, uh, that, not our, only new, our new leaders, you know. Our new leaders yeah. are Alex Jones, for God's sake, man. Not only is he is he engaging in a phony debate as we've just been at pains to kind of try and explain to people, but also he he's doing it in a really obnoxious and stupid way. So right. I mean, he, I mean, so is Piers Morgan in well, all yeah. fairness. Well, he's yeah. doing it in a in a Piers real, Morgan's a snobbish, pusillanimous, supercilious kind of. Well, the, if anything sums up the, or could encapsulate the phony debate, it's those two yeah. having it out. Those yeah, two are in the ring. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Piers Morgan with his. Oh, England's a model. England's a model for how you should be. Yeah. I mean, what a wanker. He's a soulless wanker. But, Patrick, I take your take your point there. Yeah, obviously that's what we're kind of saying at the end, that it needs to be a revolution of the mind and people need to be educated. And that's kind of one of the reasons or the main reason why we wanted to uh, start these kind of radio shows because what other way do we have to uh, to try and help this revolution along the revolution of the mind but by talking about it and giving yeah. people access to, to, to discuss it because it's only through discussing these kind of things that people come to conclusions and real realizations about it, you know? Otherwise, so, they just get loops in their yeah. head, you know? It's true. Not, but, but what we're saying is it, uh, is like, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, Alex Jones or whoever, you know, the, the way to take back the country or back whatever is, is by arms. And it's not because... Because if, if if you're uh, having a revolution and and you're not educated, then yeah. then they're not going to replace it with is absolutely the same. Augusto Baal, there was a man in South America, Augusto Baal. I think he wrote uh, Theatre of the Oppressed, you know, and he said, you know, the oppressors become the oppressed, and the oppressed become the oppressors. You know, once you, it's like a seesaw. It's just a stupid seesaw. What goes up and down. Yeah, yeah no. Joseph Michael Lindner once, you know, said, you know, the oppressed love their oppressors and can't wait to follow in their example. Exactly, <laughs> more than that. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, I would I would point out because you know uh, Neil had uh, written down J- uh, John Lennon's quote, which uh, I should read because it's very pertinent. It says, "When it gets down to having to use violence, then you are playing the system's game. The establishment will irritate you, 
pull your beard, flick your face to make you fight. Because once they've got you violent, they know how to handle you. The only thing they don't know how to handle is nonviolence and humor. Mm-hmm. And and that's an important thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Nonviolence and humor, and humor that that informed. doesn't mean they won't come after you. They'll no, still but, come after you for it. Absolutely, but. but you can, you know, I mean, you can spread the revolution uh, much more effectively in that way by telling the truth and using humor to tell the truth, which is a very effective, effective way of doing that. Exposing. Don't be confrontational lies. with people. Yeah, you know. It but but I mean, it. just going back over old, you know, old science now, such as things that that don't fall in free fall and things, you know, and and, and things like that, and re-educating, you know, such such an old law really would be a start, wouldn't it? And letting people understand what free fall is, and you know, I mean, for nine eleven. Well, yeah, nine. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it, you know, if you talk to anybody on the street, you know, that they, they will know the word kind of free fall, even if they're not educated into, you know, why why free fall is what it is, and you know, mm-hmm. holding the bag and the feather together, and and re-educate in that kind of way, and then you can point and say, and now can you see that that's why that is not him, that's not possible, you know, the the, the earth goes around the sun, you know. Like everybody who wants to talk about what's wrong with the world wants to start with 9-11. And I think going to 9-11 is, is a mistake. You know, we need to start with talking to people about how to just treat others decently, how to be good to people, how to have goodness in your heart and how to, how to you know, because I was in a dentist's office. Here's an example. I'm in France. I, I was in a dentist's office the other day and a woman came in and she was a little bit freaking out and looking for the secretary, Right. And she's yep. looking for the secretary, and she can't find her. So this woman who's sitting next to me uh, stands up. She says it in French, but essentially what she says to the woman is, you know, you should have to wait like everybody else. And, you know, at, at this point, I was already out of my chair trying to help her because I thought that if she was so frantic to find the secretary, that she might be in more pain than me, and I should help mm-hmm. her find some, some help for that, you know? Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. other woman had no goodness in her heart and didn't think for an instant that this other woman, maybe, you know, she had a kid in the car who was, like, dying in pain, and she was, I know, and and actually what ended up turning out what it was, you know, she was trying to find some help for her kid who had, like, hit her, knocked out her tooth or something, you know, I mean, that's the kind of situations that you get in with people, and, you know, that kind of a person doesn't need a discussion on free fall or controlled demolition or any of this stuff with 9-11, I would just, I, I know what you're saying, and I totally agree with you in that sense. You know, at, at a portal level, it's like standing in a supermarket with one can of beans, and someone's got a full trolley, and they say, you know, get in front of me. And, you know, I do that all the time if that's the case. You know, it's a different thing, but it's the same thing. And, and, and I agree with you totally. But, not, but, but no, I think you have to go back to the education of, of educating people of what it is they're actually looking at and seeing and how simple it, the, the actual smoke is, if you see what I mean. But, but, but that's very difficult because, as you know, the mind is a very... Very, very strange thing to to start off with at all because evolution is in the mind. It's like you know Leonardo da Vinci was talking to people in the pub uh, when he was a young lad, saying, "Look at this plane what I've drawn," and the people next to him were going, "He is completely nuts." Mind is is a kind of a strange thing. The body lives in the same same time and space, but the mind is a different thing and it's evolved in a different way. And when you start talking truth to people, sometimes they think you're talking down to them, and that's very difficult, you know. Well, that's because a lot of times I see this because I hang around with a lot of people who are into the various truth movements of 9-11 and all this other stuff, and they actually do kind of talk down to people. And, you know, believe 9-11 or don't believe 9-11, I still say that that's not really the place to start, that the place to start is about insisting on a certain level of humanity and culture. 
that a certain level of goodness and a certain level of virtue and honor in your dealings with other people. But okay? I'd, I'd say that with, I'd say that that with those That's very saying. important, and people are not educated to consider value. They, they value money. They value you know getting theirs, and they don't value things like community and, and honor. I mean, uh, in a certain sense, a lot of this anti-Second Amendment, stu- Amendment stuff comes down to it's a position of honor for a lot of people that – you know, you don't want to throw away everything that, that other people worked for unless there's a really good reason for it, and there isn't. And people are saying that here you are, you're coming up with these circular arguments, these these facile arguments, these parade of horribles just because you think that you're going to feel safe. And you know, it's 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 just a completely dishonorable way of behaving. It's 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 not it's not quite good. So, I think that. The, the the source, the where we need to start with education is educating people to demand uh, humanity from government, to demand humanity from the courts and from other people, and to insist that they not be taken advantage of. And that's that's more important than whether or not some towers fell down directly or were hit with a plane, because in the end, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, 9-11 is pushed as being super, super important to the world, and it is very important, but it is not the most important thing in the entire history of mankind because we are talking about 10,000, 11,000, 12,000 years of of living under pathocrats, of living under psychopaths, and the reason we get led astray is because of greed and rapacious behaviors and not cherishing you know, our community and the people around us and not being educated uh, to goodness, in a certain sense, of, of responsibility, of, and that's what America was founded on. You know, republicanism, republicanism democratic republicanism, civic duty, virtue, um, participating in your government, participating in the decisions, and and voicing your opinions, and becoming informed about them. Um, and so that's where I think that education really would help. That that would be a re- revolutionary education, not telling people that some buildings fell in yeah, a certain but people way. are going to have to do that themselves. Because that's yeah. not longer <laughs> well, an offer from the government, from the from the from the powers that be. I mean, they, they, they've no, done I mean, exactly the family. opposite. That's Educate. something that you have to do in your own community and yeah. decide to do yourself, yeah. independent of the authority. Uh, absolutely, but everything in in a certain sense, it's a government of the people, for the people, by the people. That's what the that's what the that's what the slogan is. So people need to so take you mean that seriously. Get, so get rid of the politicians is what you mean. No, I'm not saying get rid of the politicians because you need them. I am. You know, and, <laughs> no, you don't get rid of politicians. Well, people new ones at least. No, I mean, not necessarily. You know because Jason, I, I, the, yeah. the, the, the thing the thing is about the 9/11 thing you're saying is it's not so important. I, I would disagree. In fact, that it has the whole world talking at this point in time. You know, you're either for or you're against, and everybody is heard the 9/11. It's like right, Christmas. It's like Christmas Day. You know, are a great place to start. That's what I'm saying. It's a great place to start. Polarizes people. That polarizes people only polarizes them further by pushing it because all you do is get all the people who agree with you on your side and all the people who don't agree with you on the other side. That's because the debate has been, has been, of course. Has been hijacked already the by the media. And when you talk about information here, you're talking about the control that the media has over right. the flow of information. So people really do need to develop their own forms of media and look to alternative Absolutely. new sites like SOT.net, S-O-T-T.net, Absolutely. for example. You exactly. need to look at websites like that right. where it's uncontrolled Information. It's free-flowing information that is not controlled by any uh, specific interest or sure. corporate interest or anyone, sure. and you get you get as close as you can to the truth. True. Because True. without the truth, people are just absorbing more lies and they're just going Absolutely. downhill. You know? Right. 
So how many people would you say, I mean, and this is just going to be a rough guess, how many people buy guns to protect themselves and, uh, and how many people actually buy guns to actually go out and do harm? Well, I don't know. I mean, you don't have those kind of access to those kind of statistics. I think that the large majority, almost like let's say 95 to 98% of people who purchase guns uh, do them for completely legitimate and above-board purposes and have no intention of doing violence in any criminal way to people. I think that one thing that we kind of forget about is that a lot of people who buy guns for self-defense are buying them with the intent to shoot people who try to rob or rape them. And so that when you end up having shootings where people are dying and everyone's like, oh, my God, people are dying from being shot. It's like, yes, but the people who bought the guns for self-defense were intending that in the first place. And so people kind of have this sort of like out of sight, out of mind mentality when they have that argument. They say, I want to buy it for self-defense, but then they get cowed like the one of the callers was talking about the whole liberal and the conservative flip-flopping. They get cowed into saying, I just possess the gun as a deterrent. I don't actually intend to shoot someone who tries to rape me or I'm just going to fire a warning shot. And that's bullshit. That's complete and total bullshit. So a lot of times you find people that when they buy it for self-defense, which is legitimate, that they are going to shoot somebody who breaks into their home or they are going to shoot somebody who tries to rape them. And we need to sort of see the statistics of shootings in that context that a lot of those shootings, like Mm -hmm. there's several anti-gun arguments are like in all of the states with conceal and carry laws, there are a large number of shootings. Well, duh, everyone's carrying guns for self-defense. Therefore, when they defend themselves, they're going to discharge the firearm, which leads to a bullet being ejected from the barrel and into another human being. That's why they got the gun. So, of course, there are more shootings, but there is less crime, which is what the gun lobby is arguing. He's saying, yes, there's more shootings, but less crime. So, yes, I do think that the majority of people buy them for legitimate purposes. And sometimes, to be honest, that legitimate purpose is shooting another person to protect them from raping you or robbing you or some other thing. And that brings us back to the fundamental, the underlying problem, <coughs> which is a problem of within society, of violence in society. The and culture and of violence. And what we just spent the past two hours and 15 minutes trying to mm. investigate, which was what are the causes of the social ills and right. and. and injustice in society that ultimately leads to leaving aside psychopaths and people who just kill people for the fun of it right. but the the thing the things that cause people to commit crime mm-hmm. against other people and it's ultimately people fighting against each other and it's, it has to be by design because in an ideal human society with normal human beings you would not have that people generally just want to live their lives peaceably and get on with get on with the things well, of life, you know? The thing that we have to come to terms with is we're never going to get back to that ideal society because, no, no. because we, we've intermixed so much, you know, with each other, you know, that there's that, that genetic material for, for being a psychopathic person is inside of kind of like everyone, you know, you anybody could be a psychopath type of thing, you know? They, or can be psychopathic. Or can be psychopathologized. So what yeah. we do is what we're having to deal with is a situation where we're never going to get to the perfect society, so we have to come up with realistic ways to defend and maintain the peace in our society. And one of the uh, solutions on offer, which I happen to agree with, at least in part for a lot of the issues, is that people should be able to own weapons for their self-defense. That's in line with the Constitution. That's in line with the established laws. And I think that it is a reasonable solution at this period of time and that as is proven in all other countries that have gun bans or serious gun legislation, other types of crime rise. Uh, Japan has the strongest gun laws. It's number six in the entire world for violent crime and yet has no guns. So obviously the guns aren't getting rid of that. Uh, China, 
um, you know, has very strict gun laws. I don't know the specifics of them, but there was a story in the in CNN where uh, some Chinese professor was criticizing America for their shootings, and at the same time, there were a series of uh, spree stabbings in elementary schools. Uh, they didn't have any guns, but they had knives type of thing. Um, and you see that uh, consistently, I mean, I have the statistics here, I'm not going to read them, but in the UK and France and Germany, uh, they've all had school shootings, they've all had spree killings, but they also have very high instances of burglary, uh, violent assault, et cetera, and so forth. I mean, and the statistics don't really lie. They're substantially higher than even the United States, when the United States has a population like five times bigger than these people and this, you know, extant, you know, culture of violence. So, I mean... I, you know, it's impractical in society to take away all the guns, you know, and, and that and doesn't not, solve it. And it's not going to happen in the U.S. It's not going to happen in the U.S. I mean, obviously. the government isn't even intending it. Let's just make that clear. Yeah, the government, the government is really not want. intending to take your guns away. That's a phony debate. Yeah, it's a phony debate. To by redirect Pierce, yeah. the... Well, there was a film, wasn't there? Was it The Boys from the Hood? Remember the film, The Boys from the Hood? Yeah. Where they had like a gun shop on each corner, so they said that they would have the uh, the African-Americans shooting each other. Mm-hmm. Just, just right. go up and buy the guns to kill them, man. That's an amazing film. Yeah. When you say, you say Cointel Pro, you say you say a lot, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, I I I forgot my name showed up when I called you. I was I was going to be one of those yeah. callers, you know, one of those last minute callers who uh, I don't know. I get. Yeah. Uh, Alex off. Jones. <laughs> your voice is recognizable, whether your name's there or not. I'm so yeah. sorry, fella. I'm sorry, but yeah, I mean, yeah, edu- edu- education and the evolution uh, of the mind is uh, is 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 where we've really got to go. And that's so difficult, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. But we do what we can do, you know. All right. Yeah. All right. We're gonna wrap it up. All right. Tuesday and tack. Thank you very thanks, much. Thanks for calling, Patrick. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Good to hear from you. Good, Take good. care. All right. Stay safe, man. So, yeah, like we said 15, 20 minutes ago, I think we've done this to death, even though Jason disagrees. I think we've done it to death because we've said as much as we can say on it. And I hope we have said a few things that have maybe helped people to understand what's really going on and not to get caught up in the black and white thinking and the whole redirection of, of, of social anger and frustration, uh, away from the real source of the problem in society today, which is corrupt government. Uh, that's where everybody on the planet should be directing their anger if they have anger and frustration and grievances that they need to rest. They all stem from uh, corrupt government. And that's our final word on the matter. Peaceful so, way, in a peaceful way. We're going to call it quits for tonight because it's late where we are. Um, Thanks again to Jason for coming in and giving us an awesome rundown on facts of the matter when it comes to gun control and the real problems. Next week, same time, same place, Top Talk Radio. Good night.